This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Jim Williams, Forbes, as we'll get his insights on what's going on with Florida State, conference realignment, the TV and media side of things. A fascinating conversation with uh, Jim Williams coming up later on in the show. We'll have our normal segments, our Big 12 breakdown, Coach Bo's football fix, and uh, we'll have our Tom Fullery story coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges out this week, traveling, uh, making the long trek from uh, San Antonio back to Tulsa, see his family for the holidays. Uh, I, I think I won the race because I actually got to Tulsa first. I beat him by about uh, about 12 hours, actually. That's where I'm at right now already with the family for the holidays. Coach Bo stepping up to the plate, uh, filling in this week for Thomas while uh, Tom's on the road. And uh, we're pleased to uh, be joined by uh, Bo right now. Bo, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. How you doing, my friend? Hey, happy holidays, uh, Tyler. And Merry Christmas to you and all yours over there in Oklahoma. Hope everybody's safe and doing well. I, uh, uh, man, it's that week, man. It's that great week. We go Christmas being on Monday kind of screws everything up. You know, you got the weekend and, oh, my God, people are traveling. And just and so I'm here at the office. I'm working late. And it's like, oh, you're the rest of the week late. And it's like, okay, okay. Let's get everybody do their things, get the stuff I got to get done done and try to get out of here and enjoy some of this. I know that, uh, Bo, you, people are listening. You know, it's a podcast. They can't see. But w- w- tell me, what what is this Flintstone shirt you got on here? Oh, I have a T-shirt. It's Barney Rubble playing golf. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you the story. So I, I'm as a kid, I love the Flintstones. I mean, who doesn't like Great the show. Flintstones? Who doesn't like the Flintstones? But when I was in high school, my nickname, uh, so one of my buddies was a guy who was bigger than me, a little taller than me and bigger built than me. And I'm not a small guy, but I'm shorter. Uh, you know, I'm like 5'10". He, he was like 6'3". So we looked like Fred and Barney standing together. <laughs> so Barney Rubble became like a, a, a pseudo nickname in a way for me with certain people. And okay. so uh, I got this, my son got me this t-shirt a couple of years ago. And I just happened to be wearing it today. It's, yeah, Barney <laughs> Rubble did swing on his on his back swing and playing golf. So yeah. That's good. Uh that's one of the nice things about uh being in the South now. Uh I I will get to golf tomorrow, uh right before Christmas. Something uh that's I nice. didn't get those. You know, I we I I dreamed of days like this when I lived in Nebraska, getting the golf uh in, <laughs> in, yeah. in December. But uh right now. Yeah. Bo, I gotta ask you. Uh, everybody's talking about social media. I know that uh, it requires us to kind of toe a fine line of some sorts, but I'm going to go there anyway. This uh, this idea of the black versus white Pro Bowl that Richard Mendenhall came up with uh, that's been all over the place. Uh, I was I was shell shocked like everybody. The NFL's got this whole in racism movement, and now Richard Mendenhall wants us to go back to segregation here. But uh, you know, it all you know, I'm sure, it's a serious topic to an extent, but let, let, let's laugh for a second here. I mean, what what a hilarious concept of if uh, if this were to be. I I, I think I got to put this in like franchise mode and Madden or something. See these two teams play or something like that. 
it's kind of like the old Chappelle show thing. You know, I don't know if you ever saw the racial draft. The racial drafts, yes. You know, it's kind of like that. Um, if, you, if you take it with the humor that it's meant to be, which is what he's doing, right? Um, that's it's funny. The funniest part of it to me when he was talking is he says, don't sleep with some of this white team. But what's going to be tough is the defensive backs. And he's not lying. The D-backs, they don't even help with defensive backs. I mean, Cooper DeJean from Iowa, the white corner that's supposed to be a first-round pick. Yes. He's even in the league yet. He's going to be a starter on the outside already. Yeah, I heard about him a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny when you talk about, you know, white guys playing corner or safety. And uh, there's just not that many of them anymore. Um, it, it's kind of funny to see that. But I thought the, the, the idea of it was humorous. You know, it's not meant to be, you know, let's segregate it. It's meant to be, let's let's talk about how, hey, don't sleep on some of these guys. But in the end, look, the, the, the African-American team would stop us white would, guys. It would not be close. It, nah, not really. I mean, we, we, yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's, yeah. I, I, I did think see you got to make, you you make Mahomes all-time quarterback. I, I disagree on that one. So I get where you're going there because he's got a little bit of both. But I like the idea of like well, I think it was Charles Mendenhall said you know you got Lamar Jackson, yeah, as one quarterback and Josh Allen is the other. I mean that's that's pretty good. I like that. And, I'd uh, start Burrow over Josh Allen. Well, I like I think where he went with Josh Allen though is because he had McCaffrey and he's like, hey, we're a run first offense, right? McCaffrey might have to play both ways. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but. Hey, Josh Allen's hard to take down. I mean, if Josh Allen were a running back, he'd be second to Derrick Henry on hardest running back to take down. Yes. He's just so big. He's so hard to bring down. He, he makes it he makes it hurt when you when you, when you tackle him. Um yeah, so I, I that's where that situation of like, hey, give me give me him and knowing what I got in front of me and around me, we gotta take it slow. Kind of run some options. The coaching staff, like I think what we're we doing here, Andy Reid versus Mike Tomlin. Hmm. Bill Belichick. You're still going Belichick. I'm going Belichick. Bill Belichick's in Mount Rushman. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know uh, if if we were still on Team Belichick at this point. You know. Look, Belichick's. Look, yeah, he hasn't been great the last couple of years, but that if you were making Mount Rushmore of coaches, he's there. He's one of oh, the yeah. top four. Of course. Yeah. Cool. So you got if he's still active, uh, yeah. It's almost so. What I will say, this will be a little bit controversial, is that um, for the coaching staff, it's a shame that there's not more for the African Americans to pull from. Right. I mean, like, that's probably it's, not fair. It's Mike Tomlin, and it's not even close, really. Yeah, but I mean, it's the, the fact that a lot of those guys don't get opportunities, right, or good opportunities. Right. You know, that's where I'm going. Is I'm saying, hey, some of these guys deserve opportunities. We haven't seen who they are, really. And that's the shameful part of it. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So I, I would tend for this argument's sake, it would be a lot less fun to bring in the, the coaching staff parts of it. Right. I, I wouldn't go there because it'd be that's where you're going to have more social way we have to have talk kind of thing. Same with uh, management. Yeah. Players, yeah. What's that? Same with management, too. Yeah, I think that like it's it, for what it's worth to be humorous about it. Right. I think it's it's fine to be humorous with the players. In the management thing, I wouldn't be so humorous about that. That's a little more something that we need to 
talk more seriously about. But yeah, it's fun to say, hey, how would this go? Or how would this go? And I mean, the you idea might, you might of, have to bring Jason Seahorn out of retirement to play corner. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that, you know, you got to play Travis Kelsey at wide receiver. Right. You know, so you want to play Travis Kelsey at wide receiver, so you can put George Kittle at tight end, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, something on the field. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's humorous in that way. But uh, it's all good. It's all in good fun. If you're having good fun with it, that's what it's meant to be. Um, the I, I like what Will Compton said. Uh, the uh, the former Raiders player, uh, he said in his podcast this week, if you got a guy that's borderline, the test is can they say the word or not? <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I look at it that uh, those of us like yourself and myself, we should not be given that card. No, 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 no. We can be sympathetic to the cause. Right. You know, we can be down with the cause, but we cannot be saying the word. That new, 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 new. I have plenty of friends that I'm sympathetic to that cause, but they're not giving me a pass on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we know what team we'd be playing for. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah. <laughs> we can root for their team, but yeah, we're we're not we're not invited yeah. to the cookout. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we can be invited to the cookout. That, that ain't a problem. It's that we just still can't. Maybe maybe we ought to bring the plates and the napkins. Right. <laughs> you guys aren't allowed to bring the ribs. Hey, look, they don't they don't want me bringing the potato salad. You know, I don't even bring in potato salad or something like that to the cookout. No, I'll be happy to bring the the uh, the, the plates and the napkins and tell me how I can help out. Do not touch the watermelon and the Kool Aid either. You know, they got that figured out. You, you said that before I did. I, I no 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 part of being that's the. I'll, I'll 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 leave that myself there. Yeah, I would uh, <laughs> disclaimer on that. We'll we'll move on from there. Uh, Please, Bo. The uh, we'll we'll start right away with you here already. The uh, the football fix this week uh, presented by O'Connor Advice Group. Uh, just got to get right at it. Uh, check out O'Connor yeah. Advice Group. OAGcast.com, dot com. Bo, uh, let's let, let me start out with just the way the playoff race is stacking up right now. Um. The AFC side, the Ravens are in really good shape to clinch that number one seed at this point. And then from there, you got the Dolphins at the two, the Chiefs at the three, the Jags at the four. And then, uh, you know, your wild card teams from there, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis hold those wild card spots right now. I mean, barring something catastrophic happening to the Ravens, I know that they have three tough games to finish the season uh, as they face the Niners this week, Dolphins next week, Steelers after that. Um, It's hard to imagine the Ravens not being the number one seed at this point. And the big question that they had was how would they replace Mark Andrews? Isaiah likely's done a really good job the last couple weeks. Ravens look like can play football team right now. I think the Ravens right now, I mean, if I had to pick somebody in the AFC, it'd be the Ravens. Um, they do have the next two weeks are tough. I mean, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to win one of these two games, the 49ers or the Dolphins. Um they luckily have the Dolphins coming to them, but they gotta go to San Francisco. I'll say this. I think they're the team that's built to beat the 49ers. I think there's a chance that the Christmas present to Coach Bo will be the Ravens beating the 49ers, because I'm still not a believer. But um, if they win one of those two, I mean, they get by the Steelers, they do get the number one seed, the baby and the Ravens. Um, it would take losing both 
for the Dolphins to then pass the Ravens. But then the Dolphins also have Dallas, then Baltimore, and then Buffalo, those last three games. So there's a road for Kansas City to come to the number one seed still. If their schedule is a little bit softer, they have the Bengals in two weeks with no Joe Burrow. So you figure there's a chance they'll go 3-0 and at the end. If the Dolphins get caught twice, but the one game that the Dolphins do win is against Baltimore, and Baltimore loses the second game, the Chiefs can kind of pull off both of them. So there's still some work to be done in the AFC. Um, having said that, again, I think in the end, the Ravens will be the number one seed. Um, I also think, frankly, that the Ravens are going to win out. I, I do think the Ravens are going to win the next three. Um, I think they're more likely to lose to the Dolphins than they are to the 49ers. Play. I think that the, the Ravens match up with the 49ers play. And I think that that's going to be that's going to be a little, I don't want to say easier, but it's a better matchup than the Dolphins' wide open offense. Yeah. So that's where I kind of get that thing. It's going to be, it'll be interesting. We got it. The, the, the league has got it right. We've got three, we've got three weeks to go and we don't know who effectively anybody is at this point. Uh, you can argue in the NFC that the 49ers are the one seed. They're not going to lose it. And you're probably right about that, but anything can still happen here. And it's going to be interesting. Yeah, with with the Ravens and and that team, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think looking at these next few weeks, how they approach it, because if you win the next two, then you lock up home field, and do you sit your starters that next week, and then have the bye week, and then come back play two weeks later, or are they going to be a position where they might need to win week eighteen well, and then take the bye week uh, before all that? I mean, there's. There's a lot to, to figure out with that Baltimore team. They're in the driver's seat to be that one seed, sure. But how they approach these next few weeks uh, is going to be very, very fascinating to see because the last time the Ravens were the one seed and they clinched before the final week, gave their guys two weeks off, and came out looking awful against the Titans a few years ago and lost that division round game. Yeah, I don't think they do that. So even if they do have it where they don't have to play that week 18 game against the Steelers and can even a loss wouldn't hurt them, because I think there's something they still play for. If they win the next two games, they beat San Francisco, they beat Miami, the Ravens are playing to get Lamar an MVP. Yeah. They're going to put their best face forward to get him an MVP. He There's there's three candidates now. We're down to three. And Dak played so bad last week that he moved him off the favorite. Um and then Lamar played exceptionally well that night, moved him up. But I think you're down to three, and we'll see what happens over these next three weeks. But that's what the Ravens—that's one thing the Ravens could be doing, and what they could be saying in that building to keep them going is to say, "Hey, we might win these next two, and we may not need that game, but let's go do it for him. Let's go get him that trophy." The team, the team that's got my attention, Bo, I, I know that you and I have been very critical of them all season long, Thomas included in this as well. Actually, really, especially Tom, um, the Buffalo Bills. And yeah. here they are, just kicked the Cowboys' ass last week, and they're playing some very good football the last couple of weeks. 
that that's a team. I I don't think they're winning that division. I think the Dolphins have that, but that's a, that that's a team I do not want to face as a five or six seed. They 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 look right now the last couple of weeks a totally different team than what we saw earlier in the season. They very well could find their their way. I would not be shocked at all if they get this on track and find themselves in the AFC Championship here. Are, are you buying what the Bills have produced here the last few weeks? Have they turned the corner? I am buying it. Now, they, they need some help to, go, to even get into the playoffs at this point. Um, they do need some help. they got to win out. Let me pull that schedule. They've got they've got some tough ones here, too. They've got uh, – they're at the Chargers there in New England. Uh, they should win both of those. But they got to go to Miami week 18. That's going to be a tough because you figure Miami's playing for their you – know, the number either a chance to number one seed or to lock up the, lock up the division – so I think that's going to be a tough one, but yes, Buffalo. If they were if they were the seven, they would still be dangerous. And whoever the two is is got to be going. Oh shit! Because they've come into their own. They could be playing Miami back to back weeks there. Yeah, they would most likely. Yeah, if they win that game, they may not because the Chiefs might jump Miami too. We don't know. We we, we won't know till we get there. And they just I mean, beat Kansas City a couple weeks ago too. Yeah. 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 So. Um, it'll be interesting, but I do think that Buffalo's playing different today than they were a month ago, a month and a half ago. And even if you look back at their two, like their, their three, their three last losses. So they have, they won two in a row. They lost that close game at Philly where they played well. That was just a, it was kind of a shootout, 37-34. They beat that Jets team. They beat the hell out of that team. They scored 32 points against the Jets. Who no one scores thirty two points against the Jets. I mean that's that's been rough to do, and they take great that defense off. all year. Yeah, yeah. I mean they have I think one of the best two or three defenses in the league, and then a close game of Buffalo that they that they lost twenty four twenty two. That was kind of the last time Josh Allen didn't play well. Week before that, they lost at Cincinnati. That really emotional game. That was the first time they were back in Cincy since um, Demar Hamlin got hurt. And, and since he had Burrow, it wasn't the same thing they have today. So, but if you look, I think it was after that Denver game when they put up 32 on that really good Jets defense. Even though they lost the next week to the to the Eagles, that last month they've played better than just about everybody and are a legit contender. It's too bad they lost a couple of these games early in the season. I mean, they lost to New England earlier in the year. Um, you know, again, that, that Bengals game was so emotional. Um, a game against the Jaguars that they, they should have played better in. It, they're also in a tough division. The Bengals, the, the you know, the, the Bills are good. The Jets have that great defense. They flipped, they, they flipped the script on themselves and lost to New England. So that's that's tough for them. They're also in that AFC where there's so many teams packed in there. You know, you're going to need 10 wins. Yeah. You might need a level. And it's they may just be one win short when it's all said and done. But if they get in, no one's gonna want to play them. Let's go to the NFC side. Um the Eagles on a losing streak. Uh everybody's calling them frauds right now. Even even Eagles media and such is saying that they've been exposed the last few weeks. I know that Bo Jalen Hurts isn't quite one hundred percent healthy. He was playing with some illness on Monday night. I'm not yeah. completely selling off, writing off the Eagles. I think that's way too early. They're, 
They've gone through a slump. We saw the Niners go through a slump, get out of it. I think that's just kind of what the Eagles are in right now. I, I still like them better than about any team not named San Francisco right now. I think that they're too well coached with Sirianni. They got too much talent not to get through this. This to me, I, I feel like it's it's just a slump and some growing pains. I, I don't I don't think they're fraudulent. I, I I mean, even Monday night when they did not play well, they've had a very much a chance to win that game. Probably should have won that game, to be honest. I, I, I'm not hmm. writing off Philadelphia yet. Are you buying or selling Philly at this point? I'm not selling Philly. Now, look, I've been the Philly apologist this season. I thought I was the one saying even a month ago they're the best team in the league. Um, but they've lost three in a row. The game against Seattle, they had no reason to lose that game. In the end, they lost that game. Jalen Hurts played really poorly in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, that late interception. Um, clearly he wasn't right. Uh, he was sick this week, but he hasn't looked right physically in about a month and a half, two months. I, right. There's something going on there that we're not all privy to yet. Um, he's not right. I'm not buying, I'm not selling, but I do think they've got to figure out defensively how to hold a team under third. They it, this week against Seattle, they got 20. If you hold someone to 20, you should win the game. That's to me, that's not a, a an issue. 20 on but the road, too. Yeah. They, yeah, they got their ass kicked by Dallas. Dallas got in front of them and just they should have the Eagles should have been up 14 in that game. And it would have been a completely different game if they didn't stutter in the red zone early in that game. You know, those first two possessions, they went right down the field on Dallas. They get in the red zone and settle for field goals. It's six nothing instead of fourteen nothing. The whole different dynamic. If you're fourteen nothing again in the first quarter, and Dallas doesn't need one score to go ahead, they need two to catch up. And in the 49ers, I mean, just punched them in the mouth. They were just dominant in that game all the way through. It's probably the 49ers' best performance of the season. Well, with that in the Cowboys game, I think were their two best performances. I liken what you said earlier, though, that. All the top teams, especially the ones in the NFC, have all had streaks where they weren't as good. And that's what you have to think about. The, the, the value of one game, the honest value, the, the one game does not define who you are in relation to that team. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example. Today, are we sure that the Eagles are not as good as Dallas? No. I mean, I kind of want an equal plane. Same record. I mean. What the series? It, and are we absolutely sure the 49ers are better than both of them? Mm -hmm. I think they're a little bit better. They're healthier is the big thing. Right. And I think, but if you look, what I do like about Philly and what I do like about Dallas is they have the guy under center who can take over a game. If they need to. Now, Jalen Hurts has not played as well this season as he did last year. I think there's something wrong. I think we're going to find out he has something in his leg and there's an issue there. I I, I think it's something with how he's throwing the football. But I think that if you look in a situation, he's also made some really poor decisions on throws late in a couple of games. But this past week, that was a terrible throw. that turned the ball over late in the game. They shouldn't have had. Seattle comes down and scores. Um, but Seattle made two incredible catches, put themselves in a spot to win. Um, I look at it and I go, okay, those two teams still have a chance. 
I include the Lions, those three teams as well. And I'll tell you why. Again, the incon- you can say it's inconsistency, but I'm just going to say, look, we all, they all get hot and cold. And I think at any time, any of those four teams are capable. They've all got someone capable under center. If they're playing like who they are, I think any of the four could win the NFC. Same as I think there's three or four teams in the in the AFC I think can win. I don't count any of these top teams out right now. I don't think I don't think there's anyone that is sitting on high better than everyone else. I know a lot of national media thinks the 49ers are that team. I would say that the 49ers are a little better right now. A lot of it is they're healthier than everybody right now. There's and, and folks, I know that we're down to the home stretch, three weeks left in the regular season. Relatively speaking, that is still a ton of time. That is, yeah. you can you can be a whole different team four weeks from now when the wild card round begins. Then you have one one injury can derail any of these good teams. You know, you look and you say, "Hey, one of these quarterbacks gets hurt." If Christian McCaffrey got hurt, hell, if the Forty Nineers, if Trent, um, if if Trent Williams gets hurt, they're screwed. Right. You know, I mean, if you look when the 49ers had that three-game losing streak, which everyone seems to have forgotten for some reason. Have you noticed that? Like, everyone in media has forgotten there was a three-game losing streak in there, and about five weeks they didn't play well. And when, well, why was that? McCaffrey was injured. Trent Williams was injured. Debo was out. Those are the three best offensive weapons the 49ers have. It's why I don't personally think that Brock Purdy should be MVP. Well, Ayuk has outplayed uh, Debo this year. Yes, but what Debo does differently, and we talked about this before, is he is an addition to the run game in how he blocks. Right. And that's so important. It's so unique to their team that everyone blocks. Um, We talked about this at length on my podcast about a month ago, how they do something different than everybody else. And even those receivers. And what Debo Samuel does, and the reason that they were so much better the week he came back, was that they can use him. And it's not just the playmaking of this catch, that catch, a matchup issue with the defensive back. It's that he is one of the most effective outside blockers in the league. So that you can, again, you can block someone down the field, five, six yards down the field. It makes it a whole lot easier for McCaffrey. McCaffrey's having an incredible season. I mean, if you ask me, he should be the MVP candidate on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys uh, also this past week, uh, the usual conversation we have in December. All right, here we go. Here's the fraudulent Cowboys again. You know, this is the time of year they, they get exposed. You know, after, you know, the beatdown, they just got handed to the Bills. <laughs> Bo, um, let's let's ask that question. What is, is what we saw? Is that an overreaction? Is this the same old Cowboys coming through again? Or was it one bad game? Does that did the last week change your opinion on how you feel about Dallas? So I, I think Dallas is really good. I think there's an issue. I do think there's an issue. See, I think they're not mutually exclusive. I think they're a very good team. But they do seem to have some kind of block about playing away from home. Yes. They have not played well from home. Now, and they're the best home team in the league. Yes, I do have an opinion as to why. The opinion, my opinion on why is that they have not run the ball effectively. And that when you're on the road and you're playing, because they lose these road games, they're losing them to good teams. Yeah. They lose to at Buffalo in the rain. 
They lose at San Francisco when they're going three and out, three and out, three and out on by throwing the ball too much. You need to be able to slow games down, take crowds out of it, take good defensive lines out of the game, the edge rushers, take those out of the game. The way to do that is to run the football. And that's what the 49ers do well. It's what the Eagles did especially well last year, and they can still do. On the flip side in the AFC, it's what the Ravens do really well. The Dolphins run the ball very well. The Chiefs should run the ball better than they do. They're going to get Pacheco back, and I think he's a beast. Um, So I think they could run the ball better. I think that's what hurts them when it comes to road games, is that it's there's they want to play fast. It's harder to play fast on someone else's field. Yeah. And I think that's a big deal. We're not getting the Cowboys that we were promised. If you go back to the offseason, you know, when – they let uh, Clemens go, the, the OC go, and McCarthy said, hey, we're going to run the ball more. They said, we're going to take the ball out of Dak's hands more and run the ball. They really haven't, but Dak's played so well. Yeah. They haven't needed to. But they do need to when they're on the road. Uh, uh, they got a gift, They got a gift, though, with the Eagles losing this week as well. So, I mean, right now, they're the, the Cowboys are the two seed again, aren't they? Yeah, they're the two seed right now. They got the tiebreaker over Philly. If both yeah. went out, then based on conference record, Philly gets the tiebreaker. Okay, I wasn't concerned. I didn't know. I didn't know the, so who would if they both went out. Yeah, yeah. And the Cowboys play Miami, Detroit, Washington. Again, there's Detroit sitting there. I. That's that. See, Detroit is the team that I don't want to play. Like I don't want to underestimate them in a playoff. I just, I'm not saying they're as good as the other three, but in a situation, they do get after you, the pass rush can get after you. They can turn you over a couple times. And if they run the ball well and Jared Goff doesn't throw a couple of picks, boom, they're back in it. The games that the, that the Lions have been poor in the last couple of months, it's been a lot of been Goff's play. Yeah. He has not been great. So, yeah, I think you've got four teams in the NFC. Um, the shameful part is that one of them is going to be the five, the five seed. Um, either the Cowboys or the Eagles will be that team because of the division. And then we're going to see one of these bad NFC South teams get in that just have no place in the playoff. Yeah. It doesn't matter well, which one it is. Uh, my guy Baker was phenomenal this past week. First ever perfect passer rating in the history of Lambeau Field. The greatest right. quarterback performance we've ever seen in that building. I mean, it, it was it was incredible, you know. I mean, okay, all right. I'm going to give you boy Baker Mayfield credit. It was the best game I've seen him play in a, since that Chiefs game when he played at Arrowhead. Since that game, that was the yes. best game he's played since. Um, that is not the best performance I've ever seen. <laughs> you can say that perfect rating, but I think Brett Favre had a Monday night game. That is the best one that has ever been played in that building. <laughs> but I do will have hey, but I know you thought I need to get smart ass on me about it, but. I wasn't going to give you credit. Baker played extremely well this weekend. He earned a contract extension. I don't know about that, but he played extremely well this week. I thought he played a really good game this past week. That division, they're all not very good. They're all Whoever it is that wins the division is getting their ass kicked in the first game um, of the playoffs. But we don't know which of the four teams it's going to be. 
and they all four have a shot. Well, the Panthers don't, but we Bucks, we know that they're the going to face either the Cowboys or Eagles. Yeah, the Bucks, the Saints, or the Falcons. One of those three comes out. I tend to think it's the Bucks. Just look at the schedules. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it didn't mean the Bucks or the Falcons. I think. I don't think the Saints have any chance. Yeah. I don't think the Saints come into the game. Yeah, I I think the Bucks come out that division. Yeah. I think they probably face Philadelphia, and El- and Philly beats them at home. I think that's yeah. the the end result there. Let me ask you about the Chargers. They fire Brandon Staley. That was a team that completely gave up on their head coach last Thursday night. And I mean, what a way to go out! I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that for a coach in his final game to give him sixty three points. I mean, that was. Uh, that, that was something, uh, to say the least. Uh, you look at the Chargers job now, Bo, and it's twofold. Like, on paper, it sounds like a good job. Like, L.A., SoFi's nice, good facilities. You got a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. All that sounds fine and dandy. But then I look at the flip side. Spanos family's never done a good job running that franchise. Every home game is practically a road game. You're outnumbered in your own stadium. And, you know, they have a history of being cheap there. I'm like, you know, is it really that good of a job or is it worth it with take, having Justin Herbert there? How good is that Chargers job, really? You, okay. you brought up a lot of points. Let's first the Staley thing. And we'll go back to the job. How about that? Um, I text you at the end of the game, near the end of the game, saying it's hyperbole to say you have to fire a coach at the, you know, before he gets in the locker room. If there was ever a time you actually had to fire a coach that night, it had to be then. Like, I, honestly, the Spanos brothers should have They should have walked over to they should have walked over to Mark Davis's suite and said, "Get us, get him someplace to stay tonight here in Vegas, and we'll get him home tomorrow." Because those he lost. You said it best. He lost his team at halftime. Players did not want to play for him. Yeah, I, I. He'll never get another head coaching job unless it's in a low-level college situation. He's never going to get a head coaching job again. He lost his locker room completely, uh, talking about Brandon Staley. And I don't think that there was any way they were going to be competitive in the second half of that game. Uh, it just it looked, they looked poorly. I mean, we already had injury issues when we knew that going in. They didn't look prepared at all. I mean, it was – a pathetic it's, situation. It's not like you gave up 63 to the 49ers either. No, you gave yeah. up 63 to the Raiders. The Raiders. Now, the Raiders. Oh, we'll get to the Raiders in a minute. Let's finish this for the Chargers things first. So, you brought up a lot of great points on that job. Okay. It's like you get the old legal pad out and you write a T square. What's the positives? What's the negatives? Well, positive. Justin Herbert. Bosa. You've got a couple of years got your young franchise players on both sides of the ball. They're amongst the top young players at their position. Now, Herbert is no longer on his rookie contract if you get an extension. So you have to worry about that. Um, the Spanos brothers have been a disaster as owners of this team. That's in your negative column. You're right about you don't have home games. They don't. They don't have home games. They, they play in the Rams stadium and the opposing team has as many fans as they do at that stadium. The family's too cheap to try to go partner with somebody and get their own stadium. And then I just pulled it up. The salary cap situation is horrible. So now you don't have any much flexibility on your team moving forward. Right. 
I don't know who's going to want that job. I know that the, the talk is Bill Belichick. You know, Bill Belichick's supposedly going to leave, and he's he he yeah, would like yeah. to have a franchise quarterback, and, and he's also, someone who Jim Harbaugh also has been talking about. If he, leaves, if he leaves Michigan. I get those two. I get what they. Those are two guys that maybe that's the right fit, but do they want to deal with those two brothers? They don't want to deal with those owners. I mean, when you bring in someone like a Bill Belichick, I mean, even when Belichick and Kraft didn't agree on some things, Kraft said, "You're the football guy." I'm the money guy. The Spanos are, are going to give him the money. They're not going to tell him he can do this and he can have it. He can have carte blanche. The same thing with Harbaugh, with, with Jim Harbaugh. I, I, I don't think that's going to be as desirable a job. I think because of the negatives involved. Boy, you'd have to think if you're going to take that job, you have to think that Justin Herbert is the equal of a Josh Allen. You have to think he's in that Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow level. Yeah. And I'm not sure he is. Physically, he has some of the skills. He had the best arm in the NFL, either him or Allen. But he's more accurate than that. But I don't know that you have all the pieces. You have any all the flexibility to put pieces around him. And the support of management. I don't know. I, I don't think that's a great job. Someone's going to take it, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, hey, on that Thursday night game, real quick though. Yeah, the Raiders. Do you think Antonio Pierce earned that job? I think so. I think so too. I do. I think that he has that locker room behind him. I don't know what the X's and O's like. If Antonio Pierce is that guy, but I do know that he is convincing that players want to play for him, and that's half the battle. That is more than half the battle in the NFL because you can go get a coordinator to play to call your offense. You can get a coordinator to be your defensive guy. There's been good head coaches who have had success who weren't, you know, offensive gurus, that weren't, you know, the greatest scheme guys. But they don't they the guys want to play for them. I hope Antonio Pierce gets that job. You know what he reminds me of in a way? He's like NFL version of Ed O'Gerard. Yeah. You know, you give him an opportunity with guys who want to play for him and then let him put some pieces together. To, 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 if he knows where his shortcomings are, if it is scheme-wise, and he goes, okay, I'll get these guys to help with my scheme. And if he can do that, then they could be in a really good situation. And I hope he gets that job. I think he's earned it. He he took back a locker room that revolted against the coach, and they have played hard for him. They've and They're not a great team. And they're not even a talented team, but they are playing hard for that guy, and they're going to give everyone they play these last three weeks a game. To think too that they were just four days removed from getting shut out, three nothing, yeah. and they put up oh. sixty three points. The way those guys responded um, lit a fire up their ass. You know, I mean that that was credit to Antonio Pierce and what he's done. You know, and and I know that everybody's wanting to find these next wannabe Sean McVay's. Um, but I mean, you got to have somebody still lead a franchise and, and I know that it's, you know, you can't do the college raw, raw stuff because these are grown men, but you still have to find a way to get these guys attention, uh, and, and relate to them and get a message yeah. across. Yeah. It's you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's not about raw, raw 
It's not about the, the 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 locker room speech. You know, those are bullshit. That's not that's not what really happens in an NFL locker room. But it's about carrying the respect from the longest tenured longest tenured veteran to your rookies. When those veterans buy in to the head coach, then the rookies do, and the young guys do. They all come along. You know, um, here in Kansas City, we have we have Andy Reid, who is both a schematic guy, but also carries a lot of respect. It's rare, and the guy that I think of is Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is not a schematic guy, but he doesn't even if they were four and twelve, he wouldn't lose the locker room. He's just you know you just respect for who he is. Um, and I think that that's what Antonio Pierce has got. There's something about him. He's got a – he has a touch to him. There's something about him that you can go, yeah, I can buy in. Maybe because he was a player. He was a hard-nosed player. I mean, he was rough as a player. And maybe that's part of it. But I also think part of it is veterans get them. He gets what they're wanting. And he's been able to pull the people together. That's so hard. Well, uh, real quick, I, I want to run through some of these games, uh, just kind of rapid fire yeah. this weekend uh, that catch my attention here, week 16, uh, one by one. Uh, let's start out with uh, with Bengals Steelers real quick. Both teams playing backup quarterbacks, both teams trying to get the postseason here. I like what Browning's done, uh, filling in for Joe Burrow there. Um, I mean, he's not Joe Burrow, but he is a very competent backup quarterback. Uh, Brown, the, the, this Bengals team, I, I, I think Browning's shown he can get him in the postseason here. Yeah, Jay, uh, Browning's been great um, for that backup player. I mean, he, he, he's backed up Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow's top three or four quarterback in the league. But when you look at it, you go, hey, he's played very well. He's improved each week. So he's the quarterback that, Moving forward, he's going to stay their back, their backup quarterback. He's not good enough that anyone's going to want to make him a starter next season. But this is a guy who just got himself what I call clipboard money. He's played well enough that he's going to be getting that backup money for a next few years. Good money is a backup. And maybe he stays the backup in Cincinnati. And what you really want from your backup quarterback is exactly what he's done. Now, the Bengals, I mean, they're still in this, which is crazy to think they're still in this. So at their beginning of the year, Burrow plays them through this. They get He gets hurt again. But they're still in this race to get in the playoffs. And what you really want, if you have a quarterback who's out four games, let's call it, middle of the season, out four games, you want a quarterback who's good enough to split those games. Give me yeah. two of those. Browning's played that well. And he has a bit of a pedigree. I mean, his pedigree, I mean, I don't know if you know, but he has pretty much every California high school record. Right. Career touchdowns, season touchdowns, yardage. He got them all. And he was he was really good in college. It was like, okay, this is a, a, a guy with some pedigree. He's just not any – he's not a starting quarterback. He's not a franchise guy. And it's funny you mentioned – He's done what you'd asked. And it helps he's got some weapons. It helps when you have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and, 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 and Joe Mixon. And those guys healthy when they weren't – healthy when Burrow was around uh, makes an impact. It's funny you mentioned yeah. the Browning getting paid thing because of the league rules protecting veterans of him being a former UDFA. There is a cap on what he can make as a free agent next year. He's not eligible for veteran money just yet. Uh, yeah. So eventually that money will get there, yeah. but 
uh, in due yeah. time, uh, as far as that goes. And he's going to, and he's going to get it. He'll get it there. I mean, that's the thing. They'll, they'll take care of. Him. Did you see the cool thing about, you know, he, he mentioned he doesn't have, he's not making that kind of big money and Burrow got him a suite for his yeah, first gave start. Him suite. Yeah. Gave him the suite. Yeah. For that, that, how cool is that? I mean, that's, that's, that's the team right there to do that. Um, the, uh, the Bills taking on the Chargers, uh, without Justin Herbert, Easton Stick. Doesn't look to be that guy. Um, we mentioned how well the Bills are playing. No reason why the Bills shouldn't have just run away with this game, right? Yeah, the, the Bills should just run away. I haven't even looked at the spreads of these games or anything. But, yeah, Buffalo should go out there. And Buffalo keep is a half-point favorite, yeah. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot in the NFL. But, yeah, they, they should go out there, beat them pretty good. The big thing if you're Buffalo is run the ball, shorten the game, no one gets hurt. That's the big thing. Win the game. Don't get hurt. Colts and uh, Falcons. Uh, Colts, I think, are the biggest surprise in the league this year. I thought they had the worst roster. Uh, Anthony Richardson got hurt earlier in the year. Gardner Minshew's played very well. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. had a nice bounce back season as their top target. They're eight and six. They play Atlanta, who's six and eight, still trying to make the postseason here. Um, credit to uh, the job Shane Steichen has done there in Indianapolis. That's one of the best jobs of the year I've seen. It really is. He's done a fantastic job. I mean, they, they looked like they were going to be bad this season anyway. And then and then they, Anthony Richardson gets hurt, what, week two? Uh, about week four, yeah. Week four. Yeah, it was early, it was early. And, and it's like, oh, my God, here, here we go again. Um, they've played well. And then they had all this stuff with um, Jonathan Taylor as well. It's like, right. what are you doing? I mean, and, and they had the defensive player, the issue there. It's like they keep getting their hands cuffed by management, but the team keeps coming together. I think Shane Steichen's done a really good job. I think I like the Colts here. The the, the Falcons just changed quarterbacks again. Um, Ritter is out, and who is his replacement? Now? I'm forgetting. Have you seen uh, that Taylor Heineke? Taylor Heineke. Um, again, I I kind of like the Falcons. Like I like the direction they're going. They're in that really bad division in the NFC South. Um, but I do like, I like the Colts here. I think I like the Colts in a in a close kind of middle scoring game. Um, Atlanta's got to run the ball too. I don't know why they're not using B. John Robinson more than they have. Uh, they were early in the year. First right. half of the season they were. Like, the first 10 weeks. Last month they have. And it's like, what's going on? Yeah. There was a story out there about him and a vape and the coach blowing a vape in the coach's face. The coach denied it on the Pat McAfee show. He's like, no, that didn't happen. That's that's fiction. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I thought weeks four through ten, I thought the Falcons were going to win the South. Yeah. The last two weeks I've been convinced otherwise. Yeah. Um, moving on now, the uh, Seahawks taking the Titans. Uh, Seahawks, we mentioned that big win Monday night. They get Geno Smith back. Um, Jamal Adams, who has been just awful this year, uh, he did not play last week. Some controversy about uh, him being a potential healthy scratch and not being around the team, wasn't in the building on Monday night uh, with all that. I'll say this. I, I think we've talked about teams going through their their uh, their slumps of sorts. Seattle went through a rough four-game losing streak. I think that was the turning point. For the Seahawks beating the Eagles the other night, Drew Locke got the job done. I think you you are an improved offense. Bring Geno Smith back this upcoming week. 
you face Tennessee this week, Pittsburgh next week, Arizona the week after. Seattle very well might end up uh, on going from a four-game losing streak to a four-game winning streak to end the year here. Bo, I think we could be talking about a 10-7 and Seahawks team here in a few weeks. You could. They have to win this week at Tennessee. And I think that – I think that's going to be Tennessee tough. might be without I, Will Levis, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, I guess they're going to play Ryan Tannehill if Will Levis can't play. I didn't see that. Um, I like the Titans here just because I tell you what I don't like. I, I see where you're going with the um, with Seattle and those last three games. They are I don't want to call them cupcakes, but they're three teams that are that are that are about as quick talented as they are. You do get Geno Smith back, but when you look, they played so poorly in that four game streak. They did play four good teams. They've beaten the teams they should beat. They really didn't play well. I didn't think they played well against the Eagles at all. Like I, but that last possession to me, the two big catches kind of saved them. I, I they were so um, out of the ordinary that you just the odds of that happen. Those putting those two catches, the one at the sideline, the one down the field, those happening again. They won that game, you know, a one percent chance. I, I don't give them a lot of credit for the win, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so I, I'm gonna tend to lean with Tennessee. It's also the home team. That means a lot in the NFL. Yeah. This is a team of kind of two teams that are in the middle, and it's like anybody in that middle can have a good game and beat the other one. Well, and even though Tennessee is out of playoff contention, Mike Vrabel yeah. not backing down. I mean, there is. They're still going to put their best foot forward. Yeah. There, no matter what. They won't lose. He will not lose his locker room like some coaches would in that situation. Right. Detroit and uh, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota seven and seven at home. Detroit at ten and four. Big win last week for Detroit at home against Denver. You take on this Minnesota team that all of a sudden's got some quarterback issues. They can't find their guy. They thought it was Dobbs, but he, he struggled. Now it's been a carousel of some sorts. Um, I, I, I like the, the Lions uh, to, to go into Minnesota and, and win this one with ease here, Bo. I do too. And the Lions have this game. We're going to see this game twice in the next three weeks. We got them this week. We got them in two weeks uh, back in Detroit. I think that Detroit gets it done. I think that what, we're, what Detroit knows, they've got to beat this team twice and they figure out how they beat Dallas in between. They're trying to get to a higher seed. They want to show that they are – Worthy of being talked about like the 49ers, like the Eagles, like the Cowboys. They want to be put in that group. They want to be taken seriously in this playoff this year. Um, I like Detroit. I think Detroit walks away with this game. The Brown. biggest thing Detroit's biggest problem is right now, if Jared Goff plays poorly, they are in trouble. Yes. Yes. Uh, Browns and Texans, C.J. Stroud not practicing Thursday. Um, Browns, of course, their defense has been fantastic this year, even with the uh, backup quarterback play we've seen and, and you know, what, what they've had to endure and losing Nick Chubb earlier in the year and all that. Um, Kevin Stefanski, he's gotten a lot of criticism, but for him to get this team to nine and five, uh, I, I think it's been an incredible job. I mean, you're looking at, I think they win this game in Houston and get the 10 wins, Bo. Okay. I think that they're the best defense in the league. Yeah. I think Cleveland is the best defense in the league. Um, Joe Flacco has, you know, two weeks ago was better than one week ago. Uh, but he played well enough in the fourth quarter to help them win last week. 
two weeks ago, I think he won that game offensively for him. I really like Houston. I like a lot of what they're doing. C.J. Stroud makes a difference. If they have C.J. Stroud, I like them to win. They don't have him, it looks like, this week. And it's going to be um, – it's not going to be Davis Mills. It's going to be somebody else. It's going to be – oh, who's the, who's playing QB? You, have you seen that yet? I'm forgetting who it is. Um, Case Keenum. Uh, Case, Case Keenum. Yeah. Case Keenum's going to play. Um, I don't see Case Keenum getting that offense against that great defense. Yeah. I would feel oh. a lot better picking the Texans if I had C.J. Stroud, but I'm going to go with the Browns here. Uh, again, I would I would say if Stroud can play, I like the Texans. Uh, Jags and Bucks, that game going on in uh, in Tampa. We mentioned Tampa with a big win last week against Green Bay. The Jags, not only did they lose the Ravens last week, they looked awful. Uh, yeah. They're at eight and six. Tampa's favored at home in this one. And something's off with Trevor Lawrence. I know he had the injury a few weeks ago, but he's just not healthy. He doesn't look right. Bo, I I, I lean towards Tampa because I I think Jacksonville's got some some serious problems. I, I don't know what they're gonna do to get Trevor Lawrence back to what 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 we typically expect from him. I mean, he's yeah. he doesn't look 100 percent and he's turning the football over way too much. Yeah, he turned the ball over twice badly last week. I mean, once was the scramble where he wasn't going to get the first down and somehow he bobbles the ball. And then he threw three picks the week prior against the Browns. Yeah. And and again, that's the Browns. I mean, I'm going to give the issue there, but um, the Jaguars have the least efficient red zone percentage in the league. I mean, it's just their 32nd red zone percentage. Um, I do think I do like them better than Tampa. I think they're a better team than Tampa. But this is not one I want to pick the game and go, here's what I would put my money on. I wouldn't play this game at all. I've got to think that at some point Trevor Lawrence is going to have a good enough game to to win something. So I'll go with Jacksonville here very begrudgingly because I do think that at some point Trevor's going to throw a couple of these guys. Um, I, there's a, there is a health issue on the, one of the receivers, though. They got hurt last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what yeah. are you thinking Dallas and Miami, both teams at 10 and 4 in similar positions, holding on the number two seed in their respective conferences, still trying to compete for division title for both of their teams as well. Um, very similar situations here. And, and they've been compared to a lot. We mentioned uh, the Dolphins were called the Cowboys of the AFC. Bo, uh, who needs this game more? Is it Dallas or is it Miami here? I think Dallas needs it more uh, just because of the the, the the small room for error here. But I think that Miami is a better team. I like the Dolphins a lot. I like the Cowboys a lot. The one thing I can pick on this is the over. <laughs> I like both teams will score a lot of points, I think, this week. It's yeah. always hard to go to Miami and win. Just like it's always hard to go to Dallas. Dallas is not shown they can play well away from home. I got it at the Dolphins here. If you told me which team needs it more, I think the Dolphins, the Dolphins could probably get away with losing this game and still win their division. Dallas, they need this game because they can't fall behind the Eagles. They need to get that home field for the playoff, even if it's for one game. But I do like Miami. 
We we were giving a lot of credit to Antonio Pierce earlier. The Chiefs, I know they won by double digits last week against New England, but this team still isn't right. They they haven't figured yeah. it out. Mahomes and this receiving core are not on the same page. He's thrown 13 interceptions this year. Turn the ball yeah. over a lot. You take on a Raiders team that's hungry, that's playing for their coach. Um, you know, I'll look at this week, Bo. Home game, it's on Christmas, everything. The Chiefs should win. But I, I, I'm not putting it past the Raiders to make this at least a competitive game. Like, KC's favored by 10. I, I'm taking Vegas to cover easily. Yeah, I think Vegas covers 10. I, um, I, I like – I think you're spot on with the Chiefs. I cannot – well, I do know. I think I, think I know what it is. Um, look, the adult in the room in the offensive playroom is not there. He's in Washington now. And – all the gadgets in the world aren't going to work. It, it's got to be a commitment to gadgets aren't going to work. If you can't catch the football, it the football. They're, they're not very talented receiver. We know that already. And I think even a, a lot of the grief, the receivers get, I'm not saying that Mahomes is making bad decisions here. Let me get this right. I want to say this, give me a little space. I think one piece of it is that I think Mahomes has gotten so used to getting certain kinds of calls you know, third and 15, throws near his receiver, his receiver gets hit, they're going to get the flag. That's really kind of gone the wayside in the last few, last few weeks um, because the poor play of the receivers. Right. I think that's really gone by the wayside. The Chiefs, Chiefs have got a, a really good offensive line, a high-dollar offense. They put a lot of money up front. Why don't they run football? I mean – you got Pacheco, and he's healthy, and he's back this week. When he runs, he tears the ground up. He should be carrying the ball more than 10 or 12 times. Give that kid the ball 20 times. He's on a rookie contract, too. He's a running back in the NFL on a rookie contract. Look, I hate to say it this way, but you use that guy. Right. And if the wheels fall off the bus, so be it. But run that kid 20, 22 times and shorten the game and let him get behind those big tackles and let's go and let's and make and you know what that'll do it'll suck some people up and now you got single coverage on Kelsey you're able to make a couple of those things that they like to do on the board now you can get a couple of those quick things open to Kelsey it's going to help him become better it's going to help Mahomes look when you don't know who you are offensively when you and, I, and we've had this conversation for two years now. I've said this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a time this offense is going to slow down, and they're not going to know who they are because of all the gimmicks they've run. They're there. The yeah. only way to fix it is to either put Mahomes with four wide in the shotgun and say, okay, throw it every play, or run the football. You're paying that offensive line a lot of money, run the football. And Pacheco looks good. Like, why not use him more? I love the way he runs the football. Absolutely. Like, I think he is capable of being a top five back in this league. Heck, he even, runs hard. Even he Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Even your guy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked good last week. Yes. And, 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 again, you can use him differently as well. He's a good change of pace, to, you know, because of his size and his abilities. I look at Pacheco, and when I squinted a couple times in a couple of his big games this season, I saw Eric Dickerson. I mean, he's, just, he's, a, little, he's a little bit upright, which is why they don't like it. He's a little upright, but he finds holes. He chews the ground he runs on. I'll take that. You know who does that? Derrick Henry does that. Yeah. 
You got uh, one of those guys. He may not be Derek Hitt. Give him the ball. Eagles, Giants, the Tommy DeVito honeymoon phase is clearly over. I'm tired of seeing this Asian, by the way. Like, go away. We don't care. Uh, <laughs> the Eagles at 10 and 4, we mentioned coming off that loss to Seattle, the losing streak they're on. Bo, real quick on this. This is a perfect opportunity for a get right game for a Philly here. Oh, this is definitely the get right game. I was starting to believe the Giants had turned the corner. So much so that last week I picked the Giants outright against the Saints because the Saints are back. Right. And they got blown out. They got beat in every which way you can get beat by a bad New Orleans Saints offense. Um, The Eagles are going to smash the Giants this weekend. Smash. I was the spread in that game. Philly by 13 and a half. Lay them. Lay them. And then uh, we talked about. If you're the Eagles, take take those two backs and just run them and run them and run, run, the, run the damn ball 40 times. You'll still score 30 points. Ravens and the Niners. I lean towards San Fran. They are the home team, primetime game, but both teams 11 and three playing very good football right now. Uh, Bowl, I, I know we've already talked about this game, so I just want to ask this yeah. question real quick on this. Is this a Super Bowl preview here? It very well could be. These are the if you ask me who the best two best teams in the league are, I'm saying these two teams. Um, these are the two teams. I mean, I, I love everything about what the Ravens are doing. I tend to think, I mean, the 49ers are one through 55, a great roster. I mean, they're just at every position. They buy into what they do offensively different than everybody else does. Their defense can get can get home at four because they put pressure on you to score points. I do like the Ravens here, though, because the equalizer is Lamar. And that's what the 49ers have not come across. I, I think this can go either way. I think it's a close game. Both teams scoring in the 20s. I'm going to take Baltimore here. This is more of a hunch than anything else, but I think you said it. This could very well be a Super Bowl preview. If I was to bet money on what two teams are in the Super Bowl, these are the two I'm betting on. Uh, we'll move on to our Big 12 breakdown here in just a second. Bo, my Christmas gift to you. Uh, we don't have to talk about Aaron Rodgers uh, not coming back to the football field. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bite past that. We got plenty of the off season talking about Aaron Rodgers uh, <laughs> in the New I'm York. I'm sure City. we will. And I'll be talking <laughs> about it every week. <laughs> Your favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Not playing uh, the rest of the season. He's done. Not coming back. The Jets are out of playoff contention. It's the Big 12 breakdown this week. Tyler Jones, Coach Bo here with you as uh, we take or a look around the Big 12. We're also going to talk about the realignment situation. Uh, Jim Williams is going to join us coming up in just a bit uh, with more on uh, what's going on with Florida State and the ACC and how that can impact the Big 12. We'll have plenty of that to discuss uh, coming up in just a bit. But each week in the Big 12 breakdown, we give you hot takes uh, on this league, whether it's football or basketball, either one. And uh, with Bo in for Thomas this week, uh, I'll, I'll let him start off and uh, give me his hot take. Bo, whatever direction you want to go, the floor is yours. Uh, get, give me something spicy. Give me some type of hot take involving the Big Twelve here. University of Kansas is going to win the going to win the Big Twelve next year football. I love it. Yes. <laughs> 
KU is going to win the Big 12 title next year. Uh, I like that. I'll say this. I'll, say, I'll make this. I'll even make it spicier. KU football wins the conference championship before KU basketball does next. Well, Kansas basketball, you, even with them having a top three team this year. Yeah, I. There's a lot that basketball team has got to show me still. I, they look. I give Bill Self a lot of credit. They're going to be. They're going to be different in a month than they are today. Well, I have not been impressed so far. Not been impressed. I worry about them against athletic teams. My my, I, my hot take this week um, is going to lead me into our conversation when we talk about these cultural playoff games here in just a bit. Uh, and, and then you can just call this a spoiler for our conversation later. I think Texas Longhorn is going to win the national championship. I think that they will beat Washington, and I think we're going to get a rematch with Alabama and that they will get the best of the Crimson Tide once again. I like the way they played down the stretch. That receiving gore really came together. They run the football well. I know Bo loves teams that run the football well. And that defense yeah. is pretty phenomenal, too. I, I, I look at those four, the four best teams, as we call it. I think Texas is that best team right now. I don't disagree. I, I Okay, so I think that Texas has a chance. I, I think there's three teams that can win that thing. I don't think Washington's going to have a chance. I think Washington's the the one is the other. I know Michael Penix has been great. They've been inconsistent the last month and a half. So I kind of ruled him out. Bama is Bama. I just hate the they're they've improved through the season. Those last two weeks, like the that Auburn game, I was like, I don't know. They really took it to Georgia physically. I think that's gonna be tough for Texas to beat. And Michigan, you're gonna have to score points against them. So I don't disagree. I I, I kind of like Bama and Texas in the championship game, but I kind of like Bama to win it. But I don't disagree. I think that Texas has got a very legit chance to win this. Yeah. And I don't think it's bad. I think that that's, um, again, the, the team I'm kind of selling short on is is Washington in there. But, right. yeah, I don't think you're too off, too off base. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's start off bowl with uh the realignment front. Uh and like I said, we'll bring Jim in here in just a bit, get his perspective. But the uh, news this week, Florida State taking the first steps necessary to try to get out of the ACC, but it is a messy legal situation. It's not gonna be easy, but the attempt is there at least for them to try to get out. Bo, I, I look at this like I'm not surprised. We all knew this was inevitable. They've made their voice loud and uh, made it known they are not happy in that ACC and their contract situation, the lack of money that uh, that they have and TV rights money compared to everybody else and the way they view themselves and uh, then missing the playoff and, and everything that happened there and how they were viewed. I, I think that was – that that hurt their ego and that, that may have escalated things, you know, uh, sped up the process a bit for Florida State to try to uh, get out of the ACC here. It's not a matter of when it's or it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when they uh, they leave the ACC. I don't know where they go. I mean, they don't have the academics for a Big Ten school, but maybe the Big Ten still wants them. The SEC, they don't add to the footprint there. This all might be just to end up in the Big 12 when it's all said and done, but their days, at least in the ACC, I think are, are numbered. They're certainly not happy with the ACC. And, and I think that, you know, now they've talked more about it because of the playoff situation. So I'll address that part first. 
Um, I understand Florida State being upset to not in the playoff. I do. Are they worthy? Yes, they're worthy. One team wasn't going to make it. They were the team that was the odd man out, unfortunately. But I look at it that, and I, and I said this to you off the air, let's be real blunt about what this playoff is. This playoff is not to crown a national champion. Now, it will effectively crown a national champion. That's not why people pay money for this. It's not why these. It's, it's not why ABC and ESPN give all this money. They do it for television. It's it an invitational. It's not a playoff. It's not necessarily a playoff. It's really a TV program, a high dollar program, and no different than The Bachelor or anything else. It's something that costs money to run, and they're not always going to get it right. But they did it because. That Florida State team is too similar to, well, let me say it this way. That Florida State team is not going to give them ratings, not with not having the quarterback, not with the injuries, the issues they've had in the last month. They learned last year they wanted this thing to be competitive. TCU didn't give them a competitive one in the championship game last year, and their ratings suffered because of it, so much so they decided to go to a 12-team playoff. They also got more money for it. And why is there a 12-team playoff next year? It's more program. Bowl game ratings are down. Why they down? Because of NIL, those games, who's watching these bowl games? You look at it and go, okay, this is high-end programming. That's why Florida State's out. The league, the ACC is hurt Florida State because if Florida State was the champion of the SEC or the Big 12 or the Big 10, they'd be in. Right. But they're not in the ACC champion. And so I get Florida State's frustration. Again, I would not have voted for them to get in, but I do understand and I empathize with that frustration. And I look at it and go, well, okay. And they've been trying to figure out a way to get out of that contract every which creative way you can for a couple of years now, calling private equity and trying to get JP Morgan to get them out of a, of, of a contract. They've tried all the rumblings. They might be working with the Saudis involved. Yeah. I mean, there's something that's going to happen here. They want out. They feel very strongly about it. And they feel like if that means they have to be an independent, like another Dame, for a few years until the next TV rights come up, so be it. They don't care. They'll figure something out. It's a matter of they want out of that brand, the ACC. There's no football brand to the ACC. Right. So the end game, what, what is it at this point? Like you mentioned the idea of an independent potentially to buy time. Yeah. Is it, Does the Big Ten say, you know what, we can put our ego aside when it comes to academics and we want to get in the state of Florida and we'll bring you in Florida State? Or is it the SEC that says, we can't let the Big Ten get in here, and we got a chance to add a quality football program. Or does the Big Twelve just win the lottery and somehow end up with Florida State here? How, where where do you think Florida State ultimately goes? I think ultimately they're in the SEC. Um, I know that you you we were talking about the you know the Big Ten idea intrigues me. There's also more money, frankly, than to go to the Big Ten. Um, but I think that you brought up a good point. You just said there. The SEC does not want the Big Ten to have a Southern team. And I don't think a lot, I mean, maybe a lot of listeners don't understand. 
it's a lot different animal. College football is a different animal in the South. Like right. it's, it, it's sort of, it's really, I hate to say this, it's a religion. Like it's, this is who we are. And everywhere you go after your local team, it's more so than just, you know, I live here in Lawrence, Kansas and KU basketball is bigger than KU football. But even that's not the, like the religion of what, college football is in the south and, and florida and state Florida State is one of those schools they are more of an sec school than they are of an acc school yeah you know the reason that they're in the acc right it was to avoid the competition of the sec they, they could have gone said it bobby bowden said it he said when they show when they went being independent they went into the acc bobby bowden said we have a better chance of winning a national championship by winning the acc than we do going to the sec because of the competition of the SEC. And in a lot of ways, he was proven right. He's absolutely been right. Yeah. And it, and he's had to say it in court twice when called upon. It's public record now. I mean, it's, yeah, Bobby Bowden was right. And now Florida State is suffering because of that. Right. And, you know, it is what it is now. But, yeah, they are basically an SEC team as far as how they're viewed by their, how they're viewed in the South. I mean, look. Florida State's hated by everybody in the ACC in the SEC. And not just Gator fans. Everybody doesn't like them, which makes perfect in the SEC. Because everybody else hates everybody else. So they're a perfect fit. They have a huge fan base locally. It doesn't it, like you said, it doesn't expand the footprint of the of the region, but it locks the region down. Right. And that's gonna be important. Yeah. If you're the SEC, you gotta go get somebody. That's the number one franchise they will get. Like I know a couple of years ago, everybody wanted to make Clemson. No, 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 no. Florida State's the number one team you go get if you're the SEC. And if you're the SEC, you find a way. From the Big 12 standpoint, though, I think the ACC is much like the Pac-12. It's a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. I know yeah. there's been rumors about a merger between the Big 12 and the ACC. I personally, I think it's every man for himself. Like the Big 12 doesn't need to go rescue the ACC. They need to let the ACC blow up. And then from there, uh, you know, the the top, you know, the, the Big 10 and the SEC will have the first pick of the schools they want. But I, I got a feeling that somehow in some way, the Big 12 is going to end up with somebody that they're not supposed to have of some sorts. Like, you know, whether it's based on the way TV dollars work of, you know, because, hey, the ACC and the SEC both work with ESPN or the fact maybe Fox doesn't want to spend more money with the Big Ten, whatever it may be logistically, I think there there is a outcome where the Big 12 does a little bit better than what they thought, whether it's a Louisville or a Miami or a Clemson, uh, you know, Virginia Tech, somebody – the Big 12 is never going to be with the Big Ten and the SEC, but I do think that they're in a position of strength here to add potentially all of this when the ACC falls apart here to be a big beneficiary here. Yeah, the Big 12 needs an alpha, football-wise. Football-wise, they need an alpha. They don't have that. There's no one dominant school. Like, in football-wise, I mean, you look, the SEC is Alabama. The Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State. They have two of them. Um, you know, now the SEC has Georgia and Florida. You have to have that alpha. That one, everyone wants to be there. 
And there's not one in the Big 12 now. The Big 12s was Oklahoma. It was I mean, you could say argue, you could argue Oklahoma and Texas. Texas had more recent success, but Oklahoma has been more has been better over the last 10, 15, this generation. Yeah. Um, those two gone. Who is the alpha male in the room in the football room? There isn't one. There is I mean, not. I argued earlier in the year, three or four years from now, could it be Coach Prime in, in Colorado? I don't know. I mean, it could be. I don't know that. You know, that's why I think Kansas has a chance to win the, the, the Big 12 championship next year in football. They return so much, they're well coached. But if the ACC, if the Big 12 wants to get that alpha, go get Florida State. I guess you can argue go get North Carolina um, and then Louisville. I mean, those are the three that I would be like, let me target these three. The thing I've always heard about the Big 12 and ACC people or the, you know, the idea of those two coming together is because of basketball. Yeah. But there's really that attractive basketball anymore when you look at like Duke and Carolina aren't really Duke and Carolina anymore. You know, your your Hubert Davis is the coach in North Carolina, not Roy Williams, and not you know Dean Smith. And at Duke, there's no Coach K anymore. Right. That brand is hurt now. John Shire is not Coach K. Right. No. no. And so I mean, there's no brand you bring in that benefits you. So you have to look at it in football dollars first. The Big 12 has to understand that. And the Big 12 fans are really the ones that need to understand it because it looks like the people at the top of the Big 12 do understand it. And so you go get the alphas. If you can go get, if you can get Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, bring them in. Bring them in and do it because that's going to give you more eyes, you're going to be able to get bigger contracts, that sort of thing. You need one of those. You know, to me, it'd be Florida State. Yeah, go get them. I think in the end, it's going to be really hard if Florida State gets an offer from the SEC to not take it. Um, one more on this realignment front. Miami, I think, is an interesting factor in all this because, yeah. like, you and I are old enough. We, we know about the brand of the U and just how mm. – great that was and what that did for college football but it's been 20 years now since those days and they're not playing at the orange bowl anymore they're they're playing at the dolphin stadium and they haven't had a good coach in all these years and 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 like the luster of that is is gone but i mean i I look at it bo i've always thought they were just a good coach away from getting that back it's not a nebraska situation where they're stuck in the middle of nowhere, you know, trying to recruit. You're in the state of Florida. You need one good coach, and Miami can be right back there. We know they're a great academic institution as well. To me, like, that would be the team I'd be looking at and be saying, man, if they can just find the right head coach, I want them in my league. Like, if you're the SEC, Big Ten, the eight, you know, the the Big 12, like, I I, I would be doing all I could to try to go, go get Miami. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, if you go back and, and again, the U, you think about the last great Miami team was that 01 team. You know, right. so some people call it the greatest college football team of all time. They're in the top two or three today. Um, but you look, they haven't been the U since then. And a lot of it has been they don't have the, the coach. I mean, what Jimmy Johnson did after, you know, you had um, Howard Schnellenberger, who really gave him the blueprint. Jimmy you had one short good run with Mark Rick, and that was it. Yeah, and Mark Rick was a really, I thought, was going to be a good fit there. He was also an alum there. Um, 
you would think that you would have that. You can recruit. They do. They have NIL money. They have all these ex-pros that can come back. But you know what hits differently now? It's like these young kids. They don't know who Ed Reed and Ray Lewis are. Right. They don't know, you know, who the, the swag of the – Michael Irvin. I mean, those are the three maybe greatest of the you guys ever. And you look at that and you go, these kids now have no clue because they weren't even born when the U was the U. Right. You know, and so I look at it now and go, yeah, but who's that coach? If they do get the right coach and that coach, I mean, with the NIL money they have, they got some rich people over there. If you get those NFL players to come back and say, hey, let's help. They tried to do that. They were trying to bring in Ed Reed, an assistant coach, a couple of years ago and really be the guy with those players. But it didn't fit right because they don't know who that is. And they haven't had that guy since. That's where a lot of this is coming from now. And it goes also back to they're stuck in this ACC. People don't know who they are because they're not watching them on Saturday night. They don't have a big game against Alabama. You know, like they don't have to play Georgia or LSU or, you know, they don't have those big squad games on Saturday night where it's just different. You know, the SEC catch lines, it's just different. Right. It means more. Yeah. And it used to mean more at Miami. It used to mean more at Florida State, then it went away, and now it's back. Right. If Florida State can come back, Miami can come back. Yes. The right guy gets in there. I don't know who it is. The right guy can make that work. I don't think it's Mario Cristobal either. Yeah, probably not. It, it Again, that was, again, they want to hire somebody who's one of their guys. I get that. It was a perfect, like, Howard Schneller. I don't know if you, have you ever seen the U documentary? Oh, yes. I've seen both, yeah. It, the, the first one's incredible. If you've never seen it, go in the ESPN Plus and watch the U, the 30 for 30. The first one's better than the second. But Howard Schnellenberger oh, tells good. They're both good, both. But the, the first one really gives you a good framework of how this was done, how unique it was. And it was Howard Schnellenberger says, we drew a line, I-95. Nobody from here down gets out. We want every one of them. They knew if they recruited locally. And that's been a playbook that's worked in a couple of places. It only works in a few places. But it's a playbook that could work again because there's a whole shitload of young players that they just leave. They go somewhere else now. They go to Alabama. They go to Georgia. They go to Miss, the Michigan or Ohio State. You know, that's a, it's unbelievable that a kid from, you know, you know Fort Lauderdale, would end up at Michigan. And at State. Yes. I mean, yes. come on. That, that's, that kid should be the U. Right. You know, it's the same as a, as a, a kid from Atlanta should be at Georgia. A kid from New Orleans should never not go to LSU. Right. You know, they, they lock them down. You know, it, and you're going to have one or two that get away here and there. But that's a big deal. And Miami could be that. I don't know who that guy is. It's going to have to be a name. And it's got to be somebody who is, okay, kind of the way I would say it, my Southern way, I would say, you got to be a little shit nuts. A little crazy. But I'll say this, you know, Tyler, I want to bring this up real quick. If they need, maybe, and it's not it's not this guy because he would never go to Miami. He's a Florida State guy. They need a Dion. Yes. That's the problem in college football today. Is that these programs 
don't have the college football head coaches used to be colorful. They were fun. There's no more of those. That's why Dion's so that's why I think Colorado with going with Dion is so you either like him or you don't. You're either rooting for him or you're rooting actively against him. Yeah. And I think other than him and Nick Saban, there isn't those coaches anymore. Jim Harbaugh might be in there too now. But yeah. I mean Ryan Day's kind of vanilla. He's a great coach. Kirby Smart's kind of vanilla. To be Miami, you need someone who is like a Saban, like a DI. Let's uh let's, let's talk about these college football playoff games uh real quick. Yeah. Uh Texas, Alabama, or Texas. Well, I'm already gonna myself. Texas and Washington. Both looking at that matchup for me, the difference I think is defensively. Washington's defense, not that great. Texas, we know that they got a good secondary. Uh, I love the the kid inside sweat. I mean, he he just looks like a, a future NFL star holding things down in the middle. Um, I, I think it comes down to how many stops you can get. And, you know, I, I expect this to be a competitive game, but I think Texas, with their defense, how well they can play, gets a few more stops than Washington does. I think the offenses are pretty similar, pretty even. But defense wins this game because of that the, the impact Texas brings. That's that's the difference I'm looking at. What's the difference between these two, two teams in your eyes? I think the big thing for me is that okay, so the Washington we saw the first half of the season was totally different than the one we saw the last month of the season. Right. The last month of the season, the championship game aside, okay, they played extremely well against Oregon in that game. They were slower offensively. And lesser teams scored points on them a lot. Like offenses that were not very good were running it up against Washington. And it put pressure on Penix that to score points. He's going to have to score points against Texas. He's going to have some pressure coming. Texas is going to fly around all around the field. They're going to bring pressure from every direction. They are especially going to bring it right up the middle, right up the middle and make him get rid of the ball fast. If he doesn't, he's going down. He's going down a lot. I think that Texas is going to win this game. I think they're going to win it by you know six to ten points. And I think that you're going to see Michael Penix get sacked five, six times, throw a pick or two because of the pressure. The pressure is going to keep coming. And then for Texas, they don't need to go make big plays because they're not going to have to throw up a huge number. They will say, hey, we'll mix it up. We're going to throw it. We're going to run it. We're going to do some different things. And that's what their offense is. Quinn Ewers does a really good job of being both a catalyst in the passing game and um, a, a facilitator in the run game. I like a lot of what they're doing offensively. I think that this game is going to be a lot like the Texas OU game. But I think in the end, where OU made a couple plays and got down and scored, Washington's not going to be able to do that. I think Texas scores a couple more points. And I think in the end, the pressure will be too much for Washington Give me Texas in that game. Bama and Michigan, looking at these two teams, um, JJ McCarthy, uh, I don't I don't buy in like some people do. Like they've won games in spite of JJ McCarthy this year and and wow. taking the pressure off him where he hasn't had to throw the ball, they haven't had to depend on him. Milro, the way that he's developing come along, Bama is winning because of Milro now, opposite of what they were doing later in the season. Two teams, I think, that are pretty evenly matched. But, but Bo, I, I I wouldn't have said this in September, but I'll say this now. I, I like Milrow better than I do J.J. McCarthy. 
I do too. And I like what Milrow has done. I am of two minds about the Alabama offense. Like you see these, you see these moments, the game against Auburn, the end of the game, the play he made, the throw he made, that, that athletic ass play in the back of the end zone. You have to have so much come right for that. A perfect throw from a great athlete, a quarterback, a fantastic athlete in the receiver who catches that ball unbelievable. And all that happens there. What Bama throws at you is like they have they're like a they're like an old treasure chest. Yeah. They can open that chest and go, hey, we can throw the ball, we can run the ball, we can stop the run, we can stop the pass. What do we need this week? Michigan's gonna want to run the ball, run the ball. If if Jim Harbaugh could, he'd run the ball 40 times in a row. He would. And yeah. I, I kind of like that. But He's going to have to make J.J. McCarthy throw the ball. He's going to have to score some points. In the end, Bama's a better football team. And you're just not going to outflank Nick Saban more than more – than, he's not going to outflank that often. I, I like Alabama in this game. I think it's close but not too close. Um, if Michigan's going to win, they're going to have to dominate the offensive line. Their offensive line is going to have to absolutely – road grade Alabama. And you tell me when that's ever happened to Nick Saban. Never. <laughs> and even even his great Georgia teams haven't been able to just road grade over 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 Alabama. They've been able to out be outscored a couple times. But they're not going to be able to just be pounded on. That's oh. why I like this game. I think Bama is also the hottest team out of all of them right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. Uh, one more uh, Big 12 basketball note before we wrap up the uh, breakdown this week. Uh, I want to get to not a great week for the the conference as a whole. Uh, on Wednesday night, you had Baylor losing to Duke in a game that Baylor was favored. Uh, Duke led that pretty much from start to finish by eight. Oklahoma, who had won ten in a row to begin the season, kind of brought back down to earth, losing to North Carolina. 81-69. Uh, I think Oklahoma eventually was going to lose uh, at some point. K-State loses at home to Nebraska. Yes, Nebraska right. basketball. Uh, 62-46 back on Sunday. And then Saturday, Baylor got the doors blown off by Michigan State uh, in that game, 88-64. Bo, I-, I-, I still stand firm. This is the best conference in America here, but uh, there's no denying that this wasn't a great week for some of the upper tier yeah. teams in this league. I know you had the big win for Kansas where they trailed most of that game against Indiana. That was a big deal for them. We'll talk about Kansas here in just a second, but uh, specifically Baylor uh, kind of got exposed this week. Okay. So I watched the Baylor game. I watched a lot of that game and they looked terrible from the beginning. And they got out to like, a, they got down 12 at one point. I think it was 13, maybe even. And they got it back to even, they took a lead into the, you know, seven or eight minutes left, and then Duke took it to him. Was just what Baylor did. And this is not a very Scott Drewish kind of thing. I mean, he's messed up a lot of things in the past. He's not great in big games sometimes coaching, but it made no sense at all when they went from their zone to their man. Yeah, uh, when they switched over to man defense, and and again, I don't watch a lot of the. I don't watch. I, I just happened to watch that game because I was intrigued by it. I thought Bill. I thought Baylor was going to run Duke out of the out of the out of the arena. Um, when they switch defense to play more man to try to cut the the shooting down because Duke was shooting the lights out at one point. Um, they switched to man thinking they were going to expand it, 
And Duke just went into their big guy. And he just three or four possessions in a row took it to him. Baylor better not do that against Kansas. <laughs> Baylor does that against Kansas, they're in trouble. Uh, Baylor's a zone team. They're a fast zone team, and they're the best three-point shooting team percentage-wise in the country going into that game. Yeah. Be who you are. Be who you are. And if you and if you live by the three and you die by the three, well, you die by the three that day. But right. be who you are. I do think we're going to see – and I don't give too much credence to losing a game in December right? because these are games where you're still finding yourself. The Kansas team we're seeing right now is not the Kansas team we're going to see in a month. The Baylor team we're seeing right now, the same Baylor team we're going to see in a month. There's somebody we ain't talked about, though, and it's Big 12. It's one of the new boys who's really good, though. Houston. Houston's really good. They look well good coached. at A&M last year. athletic as hell. And they are going to be tough out for anybody that plays them. They're, yeah. they're going to be a favorite in every game they play except at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. They're 11 and 0. Haven't lost a game yet. Um, played a weak non-conference schedule. Their their best wins A and M, but they're certainly going to be tested here pretty soon. They will. Uh, and, but again, athletic as hell, long, and they know what they're doing. I Kelvin Sampson's a really great coach. We know how great he was at Oklahoma, right? You know, and if they hadn't gotten into some bullshit with the NCAA, he'd probably still be there. Yeah. Um, Great coach. This guy went and found himself in the NBA again, and he came back in Houston and just been phenomenal. I, to me, if I was going to like lay a little bread on someone for a national championship, it'd be the Houston Cougars. Yeah, they're they're a, they're a sneaky good team for sure. They are uh, sneaky good. Kansas, real quick on them, and then yeah. uh, we'll wrap up this. You get the win against Indiana. That's a big deal. You, you went on the road, trailed the entire game, and all that, but. I'll look at that team. Here, here's the big problem that I see, Bo, is you don't have shooters, and you don't have guards specifically that can shoot. Dewan Harris, I think, is a very fine point guard, but he's not that great of a scorer by any means. Um, you might have the best one through four in the country. I think, actually, in fact, you probably do with with Hunter Dickinson, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, uh, and and KJ Adams. Those four are as good as any four combo in, in all of college basketball. But you do not have scores, and you can't put up points when you absolutely need to. And as Kenny the Jet Smith would say, guards win in March. Um, like, I, I, I'm starting to make some phone calls. Be like, what do we need to do to go buy some guards through NIL? Guys that can score for Kansas here. Because th- this team just doesn't have have the shooters that they need to in March. They might – as the season gets yeah. older, some of these young guys mature, but right now they're not there. Well, they're trying to figure out, I think, and I don't disagree with anything you said. I agree with a lot of it, uh, most of it, all of it, actually. Uh, I agree with all of it. It's there. They really are not that great at the guard position as far as I think a part of it is integrating these, these pieces. Yeah. And I think bringing in Hunter Dickinson, you, know, you get a big who's a true big and trying to figure it out I mean, because when KU wants to run, Hunter can't run. Right. But Hunter's out there because, well, one, he's a real big. He can play it a lot of different ways. He can play it like you play at the NBA level. Uh, he reminds me a lot of some of these stretch fours and fives at the NBA level. But he's also there because if they have to go against Purdue at some point, he's the ED killer. Oh, yeah. He is dominating Zach Eady. 
it, every time they've played. Um, now, I watched the game against Marquette, and Marquette just ran Kansas. And so when KU plays a Baylor, a Houston, that's where I think they're going to have a problem. Now, I trust in Bill Self. For Bill Self's like, obviously, the Hall of Fame coach. He knows what he's doing. He has an idea of where he wants to take this team, and it's going to take them time to get there. This team might drop a couple of games. Maybe they shouldn't drop, but they will be there. They'll be a top seed, whether it's a one or a two, when it's all said and done in the big tournament. The thing that I also think they're lacking, they've had the last two years, is the returning veteran. Yes. The Jalen Wilson role. You know, that guy who comes in is like, okay, it's really, it's really my team. I'm the leader. And when we need a bucket, I'll go get it. And they were hoping McCullough everybody else. But when we need it and we're not playing well, give me the ball and I'll take care of business. And they were hoping McCullough would be that, but he's not that right now. He's not there right now. And, and that's from really having to be, you know, he hasn't been that guy there yet. And, and that may change in a month. That may be the difference in a month. We don't right. know that yet. But that's what I see so far. Um, I still, again, I have a lot of trust when you got a coach like Bill Self. He's going to figure he's got quality players in every position. You, you said it best. They got four or five. I mean, their one through five is as good or better than everybody else in the in the in the entire uh, college basketball field. Again, it's putting all the pieces together, letting them play together, and figuring it out. And look, they only lost one game. And that game they lost was to Marquette, who was just lights out shooting that day and right. running. And running and running and running, and KU wasn't able to stay up with it. I mean, their their resume is one of the most impressive resumes I've ever seen right now. Yeah, and they went and played some tough games to start the season. They went and played Kentucky. They went and played Marquette who's in the top five. Um, you got Tennessee, who they really took it to in that game. They played UConn, you know, at Allen Fieldhouse in a great game. And then go to Indiana, where they really didn't play well for a, for a first half. And to come back and win that game the way they did, yeah, they they put it together. And they, they're they going to be fine, and they're still going to be there when it comes time. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm with you there. Bo, uh, more to come. Uh, Jim Williams is going to join us, and uh, we'll have Bo back for one more segment or uh, Tom Fulray Story of the Week when we continue. Jim Williams on the other side right here on the Jones Report. Join us now on the program this week. He's been covering conference realignment uh, for a while, and it's like Groundhog Day once again as we're uh, talking about what's going on now with the ACC and Florida State and how that can affect the SEC and Big Ten and Big 12 from there. It is Jim, Jim Williams from Forbes who uh, joins us on the program this week. Jim, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay, my friend. Uh, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's like, Groundhog Day without Burn Murray. Uh, so, you know, honestly, it's less entertaining uh, than, than Groundhog Day. But, yeah, FSU, uh, you know, seems to feel egregious. Um, and I don't know how many friends are winning at this thing. I honestly don't. Uh, I'm not necessarily – I mean, I understand that – believe me, I, in my career of as a – football director you know i did the big 10 game of the week sec game of the week. i did also a lot of fsu stuff so i've done a lot of games uh had the pleasure of, of actually being very uh, good friends with uh, the late coach bowden 
Uh, so I have, I have an affinity for FSU. So this is not me hating on FSU. It's just me wondering why you would take this rather aggressive tax. Um, uh, I understand you're not happy. There's a lot of schools not happy, uh, but I don't know what's going what's going to get them. Yeah, I wonder, Jim, how much did them not getting in the playoff as an undefeated team? winning the ACC and everything, how much did that kind of escalate things or affect Florida State's approach here? I don't know. I think they probably felt, you know, I mean, you and I can are, uh, can agree that that they have an, a, a legit argument that they shouldn't have gotten. They should have been there, right? Okay, so we can agree with that. But you and I have been around college football long enough and I've been around since dinosaurs roamed the earth. So from that standpoint, I go way back in college football. Uh, I can I can make arguments going all the way back to before there was a BCS and there was an AP and UPI that basically the number one and number two teams, um, there, were, there were shared national championships. I mean, where one year um, you would have, uh, there was a year, I forget, the, it was in the, the late um, – late 80s where uh, Clemson and Penn State was, were co-champions. Penn State was AP's champion and UPI's champion was Clemson. Um, so it wasn't like it didn't happen. It wasn't like people didn't think they were screwed out of opportunities in the past. Uh, I texted uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, when Alabama won uh, in the game against Georgia. I said, Alabama's in. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that, that Alabama was not going to be in the final four. Um, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think Texas was going to be in the final four, but you know, they got there and uh, you could argue Georgia's got an argument because there hasn't been uh, a team that, you know, that was number one for the, basically the entire season and um, lose their championship game. And not be in the in the playoffs, so they were a one loss team in their mind, in the minds of what normally happened. And it and again, let's be honest. This is this really is an invitational. Okay, it's not it's not really you know they can figure out any way possible to justify the four teams that they put in. Okay, they can whatever whatever way they want to justify it, they're going to justify it. And so next year, twelve teams. This is not going to be an argument, but somebody was going to get screwed. It was either going to be Texas or it was going to be Alabama or it was going to be Florida State or, you know, I, I honestly believe, and this is just my conspiracy theory, that that they that they were in trouble, meaning the whole playoff people, Bill Hancock and the folks, were in trouble when, when Oregon – didn't beat Washington. Mm. I think they, at that point, they could have said, you know what? They could have justified saying, okay, well, Oregon and Washington are good teams, but the better teams are Georgia, Alabama, Florida State, and uh, and Michigan. And they probably could have gotten away with that. But when Washington won that game and they were undefeated, Pac-12, they played so many ranked teams 
and with such a, a high pedigree, there was no way Washington was not going to be in that final. And that forced them to make decisions that affected the SEC, the ACC, and obviously, in this case, um, the Big 12. You could argue it's almost like having SEC had three teams in there because Texas is going to be in the SEC. So um, it was, to me, was I surprised? I was. But was I, you know, did I did I want to rush to make a phone call to Bill Hancock and say, Bill, what the hell are you thinking? No. I mean, I mean, again, it's up to them who they pick, whether you like it, I like it, or FSU likes it. So do I think that affected, to get you back to your original question, sorry that I took so long to get back to it, but anyway, um, to answer your question, no, I'm not surprised that that, that was the case. And did uh, was that uh, something that, that initiated this? I, I think, look at it this way, okay? Let's say they would have gotten into the playoff. And let's say that they, you know, could have come out of it with a win. Or they won, or even for that matter, they made it to the Final Four and they didn't win. They could have still argued, wait a minute, we made it, we went undefeated, we went into the the final four, the playoffs, we won a game or we didn't win a game, however it worked out, or they've even won the national championship. And, you know, and here we are, you know, uh, not being treated uh, in a way that we feel is fair. Right. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, unpack for sure. So with that, uh, Florida State, what are the – options of getting out how likely you think it is that they can uh potentially get out of the acc under these circumstances and the grant of rights that they're in and trying to get their rights back and all that it, th- this is a messy situation with uh the acc's rights being locked up till what is it 2037 like that i mean th- th- this could be easier than done. Uh, look they're not making it any easier um they if they had a legal argument if they had a legal argument, they wouldn't be bitching as much, okay? Because they would, they would, you know, that's like you and I going and and and, and threatening to do something when you know when we know we're not going to be able to to execute it, okay? You you don't, I mean, how how long? We're, this is six months. FSU has been, you know, complaining about how they're going to get out of the the ACC. If they knew how to get out of the ACC, they would have done it. Yeah. Okay. Now here's the other problem they have. Okay. Let's say for sake of argument that they find a way to get out. Okay. If you're the SCC or the big 10 and you step up here, the ACC may sue you for collusion. Because they may say you tampered. You know, how did FSU, FSU got out and how did they get to the ACC? Or I'm sorry, the SEC or, or the Big Ten? You know, did you invite them before, you know, before, um, you know, the, did you help initiate this lawsuit because, you know, you wanted them to join the Big Ten or the, the, uh, the uh, you know, or the, uh, 
uh, SEC. I mean, there's there are things that they have to be very careful. I'm talking about the other conferences. I've talked to people at both conferences, at the Big Ten and at the SEC. The we know the Big Ten has all has has had interest in the, in in Florida State. There's no doubt about that. But they're onboarding, you know, four schools. They originally only wanted to onboard two. Mm-hmm. How do you onboard five? That doesn't make any sense. You know, in that regard, they'd have to figure out another team to, to add to that. I'm not sure they want to onboard six new teams. I mean, that dilutes the contract that they already have. So FSU might be arguing, you know, to get into the, the Big Ten, but look at the money that Washington and Oregon is taking to go there. They're taking less. You know, they're taking not much more money than they would have gotten if they would have you know, gone to the Big 12. Uh, they're, they're getting like $36 million, which has an opportunity to move up to like $40 million total. Right. Uh, so is it better than what they would get with the ACC? Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about an FSU's case, but not much. It's not certainly not a par with the teams they would be competing against in the big uh, in the Big Ten and wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be com- comparable to the SEC. The SEC is onboarding Texas and, and Oklahoma. Do they really want to onboard FSU? You know, at this time, uh, down the road, you know, three or four years, I, I think what FSU is trying to do, and this is just my theory, is they're working their way to a time when they can negotiate a deal with the ACC that will allow them to pay a reasonable fee. It's going to be $100 million or more, but it's a reasonable fee to get out of the deal that they are presently in. And that's going to be down the road at a time when things can work out uh, to the benefit of um you know, of the, of um, FSU and at the same time of the conference, okay? So I think they're kind of setting the motion, the wheels in motion to get out of the conference. It's not going to be next year. It's not going to be the year afterwards, okay? It's likely going to be two years from now, maybe 2026, something in that realm. Uh, and and just before uh, the, the conference, uh, the TV deals are up, um, for both the SEC and the uh, and the Big Ten, so that they can negotiate a deal which would include FSU in the next TV contract. So I think that what they're doing is slow rolling their way out of the ACC. They're not going to be able to get out of the ACC grant rights because if they could have done that, they would have. Okay, what they need to do is negotiate a way out, and I think that's what they're working right now. Yeah, uh, Jim Williams uh, joining us at Forbes as we're talking about Florida State and the conference realignment latest uh, that uh, is uh, going on right now. And, you know, if Florida State does find a way to get out of the ACC, then the next question becomes who potentially wants them. They obviously don't have the academics of the Big Ten schools. They're not an AAU institution. They're a step above a community college. Uh, That's always been the joke about Florida State for a long time. In the SEC side of things, they already have Florida. Uh, I don't know what, what 
that does for the footprint of the ACC. I mean, is what what if they do all this just to find find themselves in the Big Twelve here? I mean that. The, oh, no. I mean, no, it's not going to happen. Like, uh, it, it seems like that the options, uh, you know, they they might not be as attractive as they think they are. Well, no, I think the I, look. I think the Big Ten would would uh, would be interested in them. Uh, it gives them a Florida footprint. Uh, remember that uh, Nebraska is not an AAU school either. Um, Florida State is academically is not a bad institution. It's it 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 likely will get the AAU um, uh, bump that they have attempted to get, um, and the reason and that's that's basically a, that's basically research and it's and it's basically um, research that happens in graduate school because it's really med- medical schools that are the schools with medical schools involved that get that get the AAU bump. Um, so I think that what I think that they're very attractive to it would be very attractive to uh, a Big Ten. It would give the Big Ten a, a monster uh, presence in the South, which they don't have. It right. would give them a footprint into Florida, which they don't have. So I think that would be something that would be attractive to them. If FSU's game plan is to make that, it would not be, um, it would not, it would potentially allow uh, a North Carolina, who's always been, or a Virginia. Either of those two schools have are AAU schools and have always been attractive to the Big Ten. So potentially, if they were to add on board two more schools, it could come from the ACC and it could be you know, those two schools, maybe. Uh, would the SEC take them? You, it, you know, you can argue that, that I, I don't, Florida wouldn't block them, okay? Texas A&M didn't have a choice where, you know, when Texas was coming, you know, Jimbo Fisher had a heart attack on, on media day when, when that was announced, but, you know, they didn't, there wasn't blocking, you know. The SEC can add who they want. Florida won't. Florida's got no no sway on that. Just like South Carolina wouldn't have any sway if, if they wanted to add Clemson and North Carolina. I mean, add Clemson and uh, FSU. So, I mean, are they options to the SEC? They are, but do they add? What do they add? Um, you could argue FSU adds more uh, money to the till than Florida does. Could argue that Clemson adds more money to the till than South Carolina does. So potentially, yeah, are they in those those markets? They are, but Clemson and FSU have a, a larger national, um, you know, notoriety than uh, than in the case of Florida. Florida is not as on a national scale as widely uh, uh, recognized as FSU and. Neither is South Carolina, you know, as recognized nationally as Clemson. So you could make a case where, you know, Clemson and FSU could be beneficial to um, to the SEC in the same way you can make the the argument that either uh, a package of North Carolina 
and Florida State or Florida State and Virginia would be attractive to the Big 12, a uh, Big 10. Jim Williams, uh, Forbes joining us here on the program this week. Uh, if Florida State makes this happen uh, and, and does get out, does that pave the way for other schools to uh, make moves and uh, the potential collapse of the ACC? Is, is Would their fate be similar to what we just saw with the Pac-12 at that point, you think? No, no I don't think so. I, I think that the value of the teams in the in the American in the ACC is much more than the Big Twelve, I, and I know the Big Twelve people is going to be mad at me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but the the value of the teams in the ACC, um, even if they even if you leave out, um, if Florida State were to leave, um, and North Carolina were to leave, I still think that that the ACC survives. They have a much, their footprint is better in the, in the bigger television markets. And, and I think that, um, look, has the, has the Big 12 done a tremendous job of adding schools? Yes. Um, but are those institutions, is that footprint the Big 12 presents in football um, uh, more attractive than the ACC. I'm not sure that it is. Uh, right now, in my mind, and I, I'm sure you would, you, know, you could, you and I could, uh, you could either agree or disagree, at it, which is fine. You know, that's the great thing about this. We can, we can debate these issues. I'm, t- I'm saying right now that the best team in the, um, in the Big Twelve, starting in 2024. My argument would be Arizona. Yeah, um, c- certainly basketball wise, uh, you know they're right out there. Football wise, football. I like personally. Personally, I would go. I would actually go with one of those four corner schools. I'd lean towards Utah. Uh, Utah's good, and Cam Rising's coming back. Right, but you know Jet Fish doing a great job for sure. That Arizona program, but that that it elevated things. Um, I mean, adding in a, uh, you know, something to the like of from the Big 12's perspective here, if I I feel like, Jim, that the Big 12, based on, you know, the the Big 10 and the SEC of of what they could potentially take away from the ACC, if you're the Big 12, you're kind of just hoping that one of these guys that wanted to go to the Big 10 or the SEC doesn't have that option to do so and you just kind of stumble into one of these deals. Isn't that kind of like the big 12s just hoping for the leftovers or something here? Well, they're hoping that the same thing happens to the ACC that happened to, um, that happened to, um, I mean, because if you were to, you know, if let's say uh, the PAC 12 would have stayed together. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they didn't get the four school corner schools. Yeah. There's no way the Big 12 without Texas, Oklahoma is anywhere near, you know, um, as strong a conference in football. I'm not talking about other sports because they do have quality teams there. Um, there the parity in that in that conference from top to bottom is, I mean, right now you could argue if the four corner schools weren't coming that that the power in that league might be in Kansas of all places. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you could. You know, so and there there'd be arguments for Texas Tech, there'd be arguments for Baylor. I mean, there's that's parody, which is fine. That's the kind of stuff. Is you know, is UCF going to be there? Maybe down the road. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, it depends. But at the end of the day, I I don't. I, you know, could they luck if 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 everything goes you know crazy in the ACC? Um, yeah, I suppose that. I mean, I could see. I could see a Louisville, for instance, uh, making a making a move that way, um, which would be good for West Virginia. I mean, right now West Virginia is about is out. It is you know West Virginia and Cincinnati are on a bit of an island. Uh, think about the the amount of money that UCF is going to have to spend uh, to be in that conference when they're now going to Arizona. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's not like it's a. You know, they they wanted in the in the big they got wanted in a power five conference, they got in one, you know, power four now. And and good for them, but you know, the travel if you talk to the athletic directors at uh, you know at, at West Virginia, I mean they're spending of this of the money they're getting, they're spending between two and four million dollars a year on travel. Right. So, you know, the four corner schools, which certainly enhanced the quality and the and the, the value of the conference, didn't do any favors to the eastern side of uh, of that, and so that's where they're going to have to bulk up the the east of that conference somehow, some way, um, before they move into the next TV contract. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, um, Jim. Uh, I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, you know the Starting next year, it's really just a, a new era of college football when you talk about all these changes they are all happening at the same time. The playoff also expanding to 12 next year and everything, too. Is this all a good thing or is it all a bad thing? I've heard both cases. The I lean towards that this is good. You know, the, the playoff stuff, giving more teams opportunities is a great thing. The conference realignment stuff, I, I look at it, I rather use the example I've used I'd rather see Oregon play Ohio State than see them play Oregon State just as a consumer. Um, is, is this all good for the sport at the end of the day, or, or is this the wrong direction, getting away from traditions and such? Hey, I here's what I – we can't go back in time. We don't have a time machine. Okay? Right. Uh, because I think Chip Kelly had the right idea, and that was a all-football uh, conference. You know, basically, had we – had we been able, he was talking about it now, you know, that, that that would be the best scenario um, so that um, you wouldn't have to go and, and do, um, you know, wouldn't have had to go and, 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 and have conference, a lot of conference realignment because you would have been able to take the, the top brands of football and, and kind of divorce them from, from the athletic programs, you know, and, and basically they would be, you know, in and to themselves. So I think I, I kind of, I've liked, I've always liked Chip Kelly's thought in that process in that. So do I think it, it's, it's, it's inevitable that it's going to happen. So it is what it is. And I think that can't, is it good? It's going to be good. It's going to be different. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to get, um, you're going to get uh, a situation where, uh, you know, the, 
the power teams are not going to change really. And, you know, we're going to see the same teams at the top, uh, but we're going to get an opportunity to see more teams get into the playoffs, which is fun. Uh, but how many of those new teams getting in the playoffs are not going to be from the big 10 and from the, uh, from the SEC? Yeah. I think that's the bigger question is, you know, are we just going to see more of, you know, how many, I mean, Georgia would have been there. There's no question about that. Probably LSU would have been, you know, in, in that case. I mean, Ohio State, absolutely. Probably Penn State would have been. So, you, I mean, you just, okay, so we just went, you know, through Texas is there, you know, from that standpoint. So how many other conferences are really going to benefit by this 12-team, you know, um, playoff? Or are we just going to see more SEC and more Big Ten teams in the conference, especially since they added, as we said, Oklahoma, Texas, and in the big, uh, in the um, over in the Big Ten, you know, you got USC, you got UCLA, and you got Washington, you got Oregon. So if you just took the numbers of this year, right, and you went yeah. down the list, you know, um, now that now that or that these schools are in these new conferences of the 12 if you went if you went one through 12 in the poll there probably there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a big 12 team in there wouldn't it i, I don't have the poll in front of me so it's i'm sorry for right. that of the would, future big 12 no there would not be yeah there would, so there'd be what there'd be sec there'd be big 10 and ACC. there would be a one ACC. Yeah. So what exactly did we do? We just expanded the conference. I mean, expanded the playoffs for the two conferences that we're arguing, you know, this is going to be beneficial because we're going to see new teams. Well, no, we're not. We're going to see the same old group of, of, of teams from the two power conferences. So, you know, is it good? I, you know, as a, as a fan of college football, yeah, I'll be watching and I'll be rooting and I'll be enjoying. It. But I think fans are deluding themselves if they think that this is going to be the the key for the Cinderellas to get there because you now have to play a lot of team, uh, you know, games to get there if you are Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. This is not going to be like the NCAA basketball tournament. Last thing, we'll end on this here, Jim. Um, okay. The uh, the TV networks. Uh, I know you were following what went went on, uh, what's been going on with Bally and you know sure. Sports Group and all that, and how that thing's blown up the way it has. And the future of cable itself, beyond mm -hmm. just the regional networks, is in big question. Even for networks like ESPN and FS1, with sure. as much power as ESPN and Fox have, I wonder how that could change things down the line. If if we do see that potentially blow up in the same way, does does that bring in you know Amazon and Apple back to the table? Does uh you know I mean there's so many things to unpack like uh, of how that could change if if the cable bundle blows up the same way that we saw with the original networks here. Well, I think that that we've seen we're we're going to see. Um, we're going to see the uh, uh, well, how, how I can put this make it easier to what we're going to see 
the Big Ten contract is the last big contract we're going to see college football in that way. Okay. And, and if one of the things we're looking at is we're looking at a lot of consolidation. We're yeah. seeing where, where right now, as we speak, Paramount and, you know, Warner Discovery uh, are talking about a certain merger possibility. Okay. It's early in the conversations, but it's, it's the conversations being had. So if that were to be the case, right, you would have all of Turner Sports, which is under that umbrella, right. all of CBS's sports, which is under that umbrella, come together in a streaming package, and they would be partners in, you know, in a pretty powerful package of streaming content when you count the college sports that they have, when you count the NBA, when you count the NCAA basketball tournament, when you count NASCAR, when you count golf, when you count all of the stuff that they would have together would be a pretty compelling package, okay? Look, Amazon is talking to Major League Baseball about the possibility in Diamond Sports, about the possibility of taking Diamond Sports over, okay? So their your regionals would then go to Amazon, okay? So we're going to see consolidation because that's the only way it's going to work. And that, that we'll see that in the, you're, we're likely to see, let's put it this way, we're likely to see how that plays out in the NBA contract, which comes up. We also are likely to see that in the NCAA, I'm sorry, not the NCAA, but the CFP contract, which is coming up. So watch that space because you're going to see that we're going to have Instead of ESPN having everything in that CFP playoff, look for them to go after a, a more of a, uh, a Super Bowl model where you get that title game uh, each year on a different network. Yeah. And, and thus, they'll get to a big number, but instead of, you know, instead of one or two partners getting to, to that number, they'll get to that number with three, four, or five partners. Right. So um, just like we're going to see this weekend where, you know, Peacock is going to have an NFL game. Okay. It's a, it's a only, you can only watch it on Peacock. Okay. You're going to have playoff games. I'm sure in the, in the future, they're going to be only be on Amazon or only on Apple or only on YouTube. Um, as part of that package. Now, will that be uh, the title game? Probably not. But ESPN and and all of all the partners here, all these people are. There's going to be consolidation. Whether or not you know uh, how they who they partner with yeah. will will be the package that you see. So Fox doesn't have a streaming service at the moment. Right. To me. The likely, and they're already working together on the MLS package because the MLS produces all the games and, and airs them on Apple, but they air some on, on Fox. Apple and Fox might very well be a good partnership down the road because certainly Fox has, you know, Apple has tons more money than Fox does. So, so watch. Watch how things begin to the dominoes begin to fall, and who decides to to merge or partner with each other. And I think that's where we're going to see it. We're going to see it 
that you're going to see a lot more of the consolidation and the cross-promotion, if you will. I mean, look at what we see right now in the NBA. You see ESPN promoting Turner's NBA package, and you see Turner you know, promoting ESPN's NBA package. Yeah. You see NFL doing it. We, you know, they're, they're constantly talking about, yeah, Thursday night is going to be on Amazon and, and CBS has got these games and, and Fox has got these games and ESPN has got the Monday night game. So there's going to be a lot more of cross promotion as we see the consolidation. So at the end of the day, what, what we're watching, you know, this year, in five years, it'll, it'll look a whole lot different. And will it be, um, will they get the money? They'll get, they'll get to a figure. Right. Um, Will yeah will will I think um, Adam Silver was looking for I think what did he say seven billion dollars is what they were talking about yeah three Something times in, in that realm yeah so can they get pardon me can they get to seven billion they can if they if they uh, can if they deal with these companies and consolidate and sell them into packages so maybe. Maybe the new scenario of a of, of Paramount Turner, you know, and um, and Discovery has a package. You got NBC Peacock has a package. You got Apple's got a package. Got, Amazon's got a package. ESPN's got a package. Everybody gets a little bit of 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 the league, but the league gets what they want at the end of the day, which is a payday. Right. So, like- NASCAR took five partners to get the number they wanted to get to. Right, right. and they and one of them was uh, you know stunned everybody with scripts. I'm sorry, with CW. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, that was a big that was a big get for for CW. Oh, so absolutely. you know, at the end of the day, uh, how we watch our sports and where we watch our sports um, in the future is going to be on a lot of different uh, networks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, is it going to be, is it going to be less or more from a con, from a con, uh, you know, cost standpoint? Um, we'll see what that price point is. I don't think cable's going away, but I do think cable is definitely going to, um, um, I think Bob Thompson and I both um, agreed that, you know, 50% is probably not going to dip too much below 50% or right at 50%. Because it's going to take another generation of people to get off of cable and get onto streaming. Yeah. Uh, but but things that were not available on streaming will now be available on streaming when Jimmy Pitaro and and the folks at um, at ESPN take them um, to a stream to the uh, entire streaming platform, which they're going to do in 2025. That won't take them off cable, but it will put everything. Right now, you can't get a lot of the of their premium content uh, that you can watch on on the cable because of contract issues. They can't do it before twenty twenty five. So they'll still be on cable even after you know they they launch. But at a price point that's probably going to be in the twenties, you know, I, I think we're going to see a time a bit of a sticker shock where people, you know, are looking at their. Um, their streaming bill or their cable bill and still wondering why are we paying you know twenty five dollars for ESPN just to have all the ESPN networks. Yeah. Uh Jim, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh have 
Hope you have a great uh, holiday season, and we'll be talking again down the line. Thanks for the information. We'll uh, talk in soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Final second before we go. It's our top full story of the week, and uh, Bo is back with us as uh, we uh, always tell you about something ridiculous happening in the world, and when Bo joins us, we uh, we turn to him for the the elder statesman advice around here, the the Greg Cody of this show, as we refer to him, uh, is here with uh, his uh, his years, years of wisdom to uh, give mm-hmm. us uh, and just help the people out because we want to be your partner, you know, and, and that's what we're here for. So, Bo, uh, if you're ready, uh, I, I have this story for you. Uh, I'll tell you this at a time. It does relate to the holidays and uh i mean i'll put it this way people uh some people don't know how to behave uh you know and and try to get out of a bad situation if you will let's do it let's hear it out here's how the uh the headline goes of the email i made an ass out of myself at the office holiday party should i take some Mm -hmm. vacation days before i go back Hey guys, this is Brittany, and I'm emailing you this morning for a little work advice if you have a few minutes. So last Friday, my office holiday party, uh, I was there. To make a long story short, I got really drunk, didn't eat enough, and made an ass of myself. I was dancing like crazy and puked in the bathroom, and one of my coworkers had to get me home and in my door. I went back to work this past Monday, and I couldn't look anyone in the eye, so I called in sick today. And now I'm considering taking all of my sick days till the holiday break, till after the holiday break. I'll be working from home uh, after Christmas till January 2nd. So I was hoping the break would help everyone forget about what happened. The next question I have is, will people ever forget how I behaved? Will I be stuck with this for as long as I work at this company? Should I start looking for a new job? Signed, Brittany. Bo, your thoughts. All right. Here we go, Brittany. So, this isn't Brittany Mahomes, is it? It might be. Um, I can see her pulling some type of shenanigans here. I can can see that happening there. Um, Hey, look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get reminded of this shit every year when they talk, when they announce the holiday party. It's going to go away. Like, you know, you get into a couple weeks into the year, that stuff goes away. Everybody's worried about the new year and new stuff. It'll go away for a little while, but it's going to come back. As soon as, as soon as management announces this is the next holiday party. Now, what you really don't want is your behavior to be so bad, they put in a new rule or they change something. Um, I'll give you an example. I worked for a large insurance company before I was on my own. And we had a holiday party one year at a very, very nice hotel in downtown Kansas City. Many of us got rooms and stayed at night. It was an open bar and a big meal. And it was the last party that our then like regional vice president, our big boss, it was his last to do. The new one is there. We were meeting him. He was moving in from a different part of the country. And so we we're all meeting him. And look, way too many of us had way too many drinks. I think people get handsy. They get flirty. Things happen. A lot of stories came out. Now, again, it gets forgotten a couple weeks later. You know, you get through the holidays, you get through the first part of the year. Right now is worried about the new year. But then comes right around Thanksgiving, the announcement of this year's holiday party. Well, for the time I've been there, I've been there four or five years at the time, about four years at the time. 
every year we had this really big holiday party at this particular hotel, which was really great, really nice, and the open bar and everything else. Now the holiday party is going to be at this restaurant at this time, and it's not going to be an open bar. You're going to get two drink tickets, that sort of thing. Our behavior was very poor. So here's what I'm going to tell you, Brittany. If you cause the next year, if the if the whole thing changes, if instead of what you did previously, now they put the handcuffs on the group, now you need to go start looking for a job because you're the one that messed up the holiday parties moving forward. And if you're the one that messed up the holiday parties moving forward, you have to go find a new job. Because if because of you, we can't have any fun anymore. Yeah. And we will blame you for that every year come the holidays. So it's always about, remember how good it was years ago? Yeah, until this happened. Right. There's my answer for Brittany. You're not going to know. And you're going to be okay for a few months. Come around Thanksgiving when the announcement comes. If the party is the exact same kind of party, you're gold. No problem. You'll tell the story to the next holiday party. You'll be drinking. You'll be having a good time. Ha ha. Yeah, that was funny last year. But if it all changes, you're the you're the reason it changed. You messed it up for all of us. It's time for you to go. So I, I've already said some, some things I probably would regret earlier in the show. So I'm just going to go ahead and take another step further with this one, Bo. Um, this is not about me and my behavior. I'll, I'll go ahead and get that out of the way first. But last year at our holiday party, Bo, at my current employer, um, there was a uh, a female uh, co- former now former coworker. She she left um, who had, had a, a bit too much to drink. Was you know spreading her legs a bit too much and trying to hustle old men at the casino. You know and you know was having too good of a time. Uh, one of the boss's wives uh, puked several times on the floor of the casino. Uh, that we were at and uh this year when they announced the holiday party we had a great holiday party uh we did not go back to said casino it was a much it was a very different theme now we all got to drink as much as we wanted and everything but we did all as a group uh we did not make our return to said casino i i i don't know if that casino wanted us back based on what what had gone on the previous year well, again, was it the casino who said you're not welcome back, or was it the that I don't know? I don't. I can't confirm or deny, but I do know that there was uh, there there was a lot of people embarrassed based on our our group's behavior. Yeah. Well, you know, then the person who was uh, acting a fool should be be, be made to feel appropriately. <laughs> yes, uh, Bo. Uh, are, are you a fan of these holiday parties? The, the, these things you like like to do? You know, you know, being now that I'm the boss and that it's my company, um, you know, but I'm I'm kind of the lone gunman over here. I mean, I have the back office people, but you know, they're not in the building. Um, my holiday parties are actually just me and the wife, and then we actually have the people in the building that we go and do stuff with. Now, my wife works for a big company, and worked for other big companies in the past. We've done a lot of those things in the past. I'm fine with them. I don't have any problem with them at all. I, I've also kind of partied myself out. I mean, I'm pushing 50. I mean, I, I don't really need to go do a whole lot of that now. But um, 
I have made very good use of holiday parties in the past. Let's put it that way. Okay. Now, I had a good string in my late 20s and early 30s of holiday parties. Okay. Yeah. And I've had all sorts of different kinds, different bosses, different places. Yeah. The, 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 the secret to a good holiday party is how many people are a part of it. Like the, the more people you have, the more, for lack of a better term, more debauchery you can have. Yes. Um, you know, you can't, you can't have four of you or six of you, and all of a sudden you're trying to, you know, wear the lampshade, so to speak. Yeah, that's not going to work. That dog don't hunt. But if there's 100 of you, 50 of you, 25 of you, you can have someone get a little crazy and it's okay. But if it all changes, it's your fault. Don't be that um, guy. Don't be that guy. Yeah. Um, the after parties are always better than the real party. Yes. That's the secret. That's the real secret. Yes, the after party is is always better. Uh, yeah. I, I would I would agree with that. And so I, I've already been to one holiday party, and now I have to. Uh, I got a, another holiday party to go to as someone else's plus one. Um, so kind of splitting up two directions here. You know, like I, I've already I, I had my fun. You know, where I was for my employer. Now I get to be the guest. Is the uh, you you have to be on better behavior when you're the plus one, right? Compared to when you're the employee, yes. especially if you're the male. Like I don't want to you know, be demeaning any ladies out there, but yeah, if you're the man and you're at your spouse or girlfriend's, you better behave yourself. Yeah. Now, if you are the the girlfriend, especially the wives need to be good too. But if it's if you're the girlfriend, you're the plus one. Yeah, you can have fun. You know, you can you can be what you want to be, you know, be, be, be live your best life, if you will. Um, and by the way, for any bosses out there listening, I think I speak for most most people when I say this, Bo. Given the choice, give me the holiday bonus every day over the holiday party. Absolutely. Yeah. OK, so, yes, cash is king. Um, yeah. You give me a, a holiday bonus over a holiday party, I will absolutely be grateful. If you're going to do a holiday party, do not be cheap. If you are the boss who goes up throws a pizza party at the office, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, I, I had Bo, a former employer, you'll like this, along those same lines. The holiday party, they catered a luncheon from Hy-Vee. Now, nothing against Hy-Vee. We're not, no, we're not saying anything bad about Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee's, uh, you know, a great store. I I know, so the shop there. Nothing against Hy-Vee. But that for the Christmas party, I, I was astonished. Yeah, you're not going to – you're not going to get a five-star rating for that. Now yeah. they did have a good holiday bonus though for that job, so like I could live with that. Um, yeah, again, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna pay me, I'm not gonna complain. Put the butter on the bread. That's all I want. You, if you do that, we ain't gonna have no problems. Yeah, um, Bo, we'll get out of here. Uh, a lot of fun show today. Thanks for uh, stepping in for Tom. What's the uh, 
What's the next few days look like for you uh, getting ready for Christmas and everything, man? Well, we're getting ready to finish up the year. So uh, luckily this time of year, O'Connor Advisory Group is really slow. I mean, no one's doing new business right now. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, we're getting ready for first of the year. Uh, right now, I'm going to be working for the next couple of days here on Thursday, a little bit on Friday. I'll get out of here early. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a holiday party Friday night. Uh, we got uh, personal stuff on Saturday with the in-laws. Christmas Day will be at home, which will be nice. And then back to work well, Wednesday in there. So I'm taking an extra day on Tuesday. But yeah, Wednesday back to work. And I'm still going to take it kind of easy Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So won't be too bad. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm back home with the family, uh, celebrating a little bit early. And then I uh, got to be back uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to work uh, some NFL games. So, uh I'm going to sit around on Christmas. I am having my brother and his kids over for brunch on Christmas Day, which will be great. What's nice is they'll all come in. They're all younger. The kids are all young. They're all younger than my kids. So, you know, I get to hug all my nieces. We get to play around, hang out for a couple hours, and then everyone leaves and it's quiet again. And I'll watch football the rest of the day. Very nice. And uh, then the one thing you do have to do on Christmas, you have to watch, you know, watch football if it's on, you know, if it gets those way like this season is. But then also, you got to watch a Christmas story. Make sure you watch a Christmas story. Yep. And you got to watch Die Hard. Yes. Best Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard. All all time. Best one, Die Hard. I do love It's a Wonderful Life as well. It's okay. I'm not as big on that one. I, I did better when I was younger, I think. I'm not right. a big fan now. I think I've just seen it so many times over my lifetime. Yeah. Wife likes Elf. That's her Elf favorite. is great. Elf is good. And... We watched it like two weeks ago, though. It was on. And like she turned it on. And I was like, it's not Christmas yet. I don't care. Elf is on. I love this movie. Yes, mother. Yes, mother. Yes. My, my favorite scene is uh, the shower scene. My favorite line is still, Santa, I know him. You're a cute little elf when you're angry. Yeah? You're cute. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, uh, have a is great a Shout out for you. Can, we, can I do a shout-out before we get out of here? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, I want to give a shout-out to one of my buddies, uh, Brian Yule. His son, Miles Yule, just signed to play football at University of Kansas. Uh, only played football for two years in high school, and now he's going to be playing offensive tackle at Kansas. So, Miles Yule, big shout-out to you, big guy. So happy. Uh, just going to stay home. He went to uh, Blue Valley North, I believe. It's Blue Valley North. Hope I got that high school right. But one of the Blue Valley schools. And uh, – had a couple of offers, a couple of different places, and decided to stay home and go to Kansas. So happy for you, big guy, and proud. And uh, just wanted to shout out, Miles. So thank you for letting me do that. Rock Chalk. Awesome. Glad to uh, have him a Jayhawk and wish him the best. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great Christmas and holiday season. Subscribe to the Jones Report out. Uh, new episodes each and every week, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, check us out on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, X at Tyler Jones Live, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Studio Soapbox on all those platforms as well. Um, and uh, we thank you guys for being here with us. We'll be back here again next week. And uh, certainly a lot to be excited about here with the Christmas holiday and uh, the coming days ahead. Appreciate you joining us, everybody. Have a great one for Coach Bo, for Thomas Bridges, Jim Williams, our entire crib talk with Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Joseph, but we'll see you next week.